Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday, October 27th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, take accounting to a whole new level with UofL's Masters in Accounting and Analytics. In-depth data analytics courses allow you to achieve a new mastery of accounting in this AACSB-accredited program. 11-month competitive internship opportunities and full access to the Becker CPA exam review. Prepare you to graduate career-ready in just 12 months. Visit business.louisville.edu to find out more. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know what better is the Big X. Mike Rutherford's here today. Rashawn Myers is here today. Yes, sir. You know him from Wake Up 502. You've loved him on the radio for years. We've done a few shows together. It's been a while. Excited to have him back doing production slash. You're a jack of all trades, though. You, 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 you run the board for your own show. You're used to this. Yes, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I am. I am and I ain't. Because, like, it's crazy because, like, I didn't realize that the uh, Rutherford show was so fancy. Like, literally, I have to get all my music together, my promote, you know, to get my open going. Like, literally, your open played on its own. Like, I don't even know how that happened. So, I'm like, wow, this is different. Okay. This is what we're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I... I like that's crazy. Trevor sets it up, I guess. I, I don't. I know it's fancy. Again, that's, that's the new studio. It's it's beyond. A, it's it, that's above my pay grade. I've got no control over that whatsoever. <laughs> now we do have the. You know, we, this is the setup that we've got now with where I'm in one room, you're in the other. Yes. We can't see each other. Trevor yes. and, I, and I have been doing this for like three weeks now. He, he scoots produced the show six times over the last two weeks with Trevor being out, and we've done like we've used the little webcams and, and looked at each other. We can't see each other. So, right. do you like this? Do you not? It's it's a little bit different. It it is definitely a different experience. Um, I like having the glass. I like being able to look at someone. Same. So it's it's very it's very weird. It's odd. It's almost like an extended phone call. <laughs> it's like it, we're it we're is. talking on the phone. We're just chatting. It it, it, <laughs> it, it like the, the only good thing about it is Trevor is the master of interruptions. You know, we we found this out over the years, and it's it's fine. I, I've grown accustomed to it. You just kind of roll with it. But Trevor, I feel like now when he can't see me, when he can't pick up on when I'm like going to end a sentence or when I'm you know thinking about something, he has to kind of wait be, right. I- until I finish to kind of inter- interject. Which and I think it's almost helped the little back and forth. <laughs> but Scoots liked having the camera up. He set it up. 
Trevor doesn't know how to. Yeah, I don't I know no, how to. I have no idea. I, I remember us talking about it. You saying, yeah, we set up, you know, like webcams and you can see. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. Haven, poor Haven just sits over there by himself, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in here and we're just kind of figuring out the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know it's simple, but Scoots like every day would come in and be like, type in this code. And I, I don't know how to get that code. So right. we, we all have to figure that out at some point. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, it's the, that, that's the one thing that when I first started over here and uh, thankful to Duke and Ryan for just the opportunity to begin with. I wanted to learn the whole thing. So I, I was like, you know, I want to learn the board because, you know, I, I offered to come in and do a Saturday show because they didn't have any Saturday programming. And I was like, well, they were like, well, we can't really afford to have a producer coming in for you. I was like, I'll learn the whole thing and just do it myself. So, you know, now I'm like the whole one man band. I'll run the commercials and, and you know, do all the, the, the sound and do everything and talk too. So I'm like, you know, now, now I'm thankful I did that. You it's know? insanely impressive <laughs> because I, you know, I, I've been doing radio on and off, mostly on for like over a decade now. Yes. And I knew how to set, like I got taught how to set up the remote equipment. So, yes. And that was basically because like, they're like, we don't have enough employees to go out there with you and set it up <laughs> right. for you. So like you or John is going to have to learn how to do this and, and John's not going to learn. So it's you, like you, you've got to figure that out. So I, I knew it. I can set up a Comrex and get set up for a remote show, but I never learned any of like the, the board stuff. Yes. And, and I kind of wish I had, because I feel like I'm, when we have issues, I, like, I, I just sit here, there's nothing I can do. Like, like I'm, I'm a hopeless little puppy. And it's just all on Trevor or whoever else is, is working to get the problem fixed. So I'm, I'm impressed. It's it, I appreciate it. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I'm like, you know, it's, I'm ever, ever learning. I always want to, that's the one thing I always get on my guys about, you know, both from Wake Up 502 and Main Event Sports, uh, Haven and the rest. I'm like, you all are just lazy. I was like, I have to do everything. If I'm not there, I have to set up all the equipment. I have to set, make sure all the sound works, make sure stuff goes out on the internet, you know, make sure our microphones are connected. They don't know how to do anything. I was like, we've been doing this together for like 14 <laughs> years and you all haven't learned anything. They just sit there and stare at me and sip on some drink while I'm doing all this work. It's so ridiculous. Well, <laughs> call out uh, three minutes into the show. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, no. See, I, no, don't worry. I haven't fussed at you. We haven't hung out enough. <laughs> we, 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 have, we have not done the show together in a while. It's been. How have you been? I, you know, Obviously, I, I follow you on social media, and yes. I, I tune into Wake Up 502 when we're driving around with the kiddos on Saturday morning. So I, I feel like it, you know, it hasn't been that long since I've like heard from you, but yes. we haven't interacted. How has life been? I know you're getting ready to celebrate the birthday coming up on November 1st, you were saying? Absolutely, yes. It's going well. Birthday time. I love Halloween. It's by far my favorite holiday. Um, I, I get into it. I dress up. So I already have my – I have one costume that I, I tried on today just to make sure I was good to go. So I'm excited. I plan to win my first Halloween dress-up contest tonight. And a boy. Um, so, you know, I won a couple last year. I usually try, try to win at least one or two. I usually dress up as my cousin. Because my cousin's very scary, you know, Michael Myers. <laughs> you know, my, my, my cousin, you know, is very famous. He's done all kinds of movies, so he usually gets me a few wins a year. So I'm doing something different. I'm going I'm going to Star Wars this year, so we'll have to see how wow. that works. Yeah, I'm doing the Jedi thing. So you are rocking the, the Jack Skellington and the Santa hat t-shirt, which, I, which I appreciate. We're a, a, we are a big Nightmare Before Christmas family now okay. because my, my kids are both obsessed with it. Yes. Even the uh, the two-year-old, who I should say, it is my, my son's birthday today. Oh, happy little, birthday. Little John turning two. It feels crazy that he He's already two, but he, uh, he, because he's, he's at the age now where he just wants to do whatever the big kids are doing and yes. his sister, Virginia is four and she's very into Nightmare Before Christmas. We don't know how it happened, but she got really into it last year. And so she's all about Jack and she's all about Sally. And so now John, just because he wants to do whatever Virginia does, wherever he sees a Jack Skellington out there. And it's that time of the year where they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. He's like, Jack. Jack, Jack. And so if, if you were here today, he'd be very excited to see that T-shirt. That's awesome. That's but uh, happy birthday to John, who's not listening to the show. Yeah. That's fine. I, mean, I actually think he's asleep. He's taking a nap. But he's we'll, ignoring uh, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll let it slide. It's okay. <laughs> he, he's fine. He's getting ready for a trunk or treat activity tonight at his school, which we're going to go. I'm going to go straight from there, from here to there. 
And that's going to be kind of his, his little birthday celebration. There we go. Happy but, birthday, John. Yeah, we're, we're pumped. He, he, we're still not sure what he's going to be. Like, I don't even know what they're dressing up as tonight because uh, they have been they have like four different costumes. I'm assuming we're going to try to go back to Jack and Sally. Okay. We, we did that for trick-or-treat at Brown Park, but it was way too crowded. We couldn't even really trick-or-treat. We did um, Woody and, and uh, who's the, Jesse from yes. Toy Story yes. for Boo at the Zoo. And so Now, do you ever we'll do – are, 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 does your family ever do the – Trick or treating at the mall. Do you do do you do that where you just walk around the mall and just go get the candy from all the different stores? We've never done trick or treating at the mall because there's like 75 trick or treating events for kids now. <laughs> yes. Like when we yes. were growing up, it was just like you you had the one night. It was like you know if you're sick, sorry, tough bleep, you don't get candy this year. Now we did do trick or treat at the zoo when I got a little bit older, but for the most part, it was like it was Halloween or bust. It, it was the 31st. That was the night to clean up. Yes. And now you've got like there's a, a school event for like in school. You get, they have trunk or treat at their school tonight. They've got Boo at the Zoo. They've got we, we got our Brown Park. There's like all these different events. We have not done the mall. Yes, but and that was that always the fun. one that we did because you know if it was cold or whatever else, yeah. we could get there as long as you don't get there too late. You get there around six o'clock. Let the kids go running around. They have all the little ladies sitting out there with their candy and just let them walk around. It's like okay, let's go and just take them on you know back wherever we're going. So it, the mall is always a good cheat code. Just you know. That, I, mean, I don't know why we didn't ever do that growing up because there were years where like you'd get rained on at Boo at the Zoo or yes. it was like 35. I mean this time of the year in Louisville, case in point today, like you never know what you're going to get. Right. Like, it, it could be 75 degrees, it could be 34 degrees. Thanks global warming. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's it is wild and it's you know it, it it fluctuates, especially I feel like around now when you're kind of in that in between seasons point. Right. Like today, it's it's hot. It's going to be. I'm trying to pack like what clothes to wear tonight, and it's apparently going to be like 75 degrees at nine o'clock. And then I'm looking at the forecast for Halloween, and the high is like 46 next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you just you, you never know. And a, a good way to avoid all that would be to have an inside trick or treating. See, the mall know. sounds fantastic. Yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna tell you these these Jedi robes. I know how hot it's going to be tonight. I'm not looking forward to wearing oh. you know my big Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, hood and everything else. I'm gonna be a, this is gonna be a thousand degrees. So is this like a friend party? Um, no, this is um, you, you know, I'm an avid karaoke uh, Okay. And one of the places that I go to, more shenanigans, uh, out uh, right down the road, actually on a Breckenridge Lane. Um, they, they are having their trick or treat at the uh, karaoke night. They do uh, karaoke Friday night. So, uh, yeah, all the karaoke people are dressing up. So I plan on winning something. I don't even know what I'm going to win, but I'm gonna win something. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll love do, it. I'll do the Larry Bird and just walk in and just say, who's who's shooting for second place? Immediately. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Uh, Trevor already texted in the show, by the way. He said I, he said that I gave out candy at Cardboard Heroes a couple of Halloweens in the mall, which is a terrifying thought. That's hilarious. Hey, yeah. little girl, want some candy? Exactly. Yeah, that's how he would say it. That's exactly how he talks. I mean, you, you know, you always hear the stories, and we all roll our eyes. When we were growing up, it was always razor blades and candy, yes. which never actually happened. No, nobody was going to that trouble. And nowadays, it's all about... Drug dealers putting, you know, weed and candy or, or fentanyl and candy. And I, you know, I always want to say, do you realize how much drugs cost? Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to take the time to do that? Who's going? If you put like a little bit of drugs in like 400 pieces of candy to give out to kids as like a prank, as a goof, like that is a ton of money. Nobody is spending that much money to just get a bunch of kids high. Right. But then I think about Trevor handing out candy at the mall, and I'm like, right. if there was somebody who would do something nefarious. <laughs> With candy, I kind of feel like it would be Trevor. I totally agree. We did in high school one year, we we, we had to have like um, service hours. Yes. And one of the things that you could do was work the trick-or-treat at the zoo. This is before like everybody had to be in costume. So we did it one time as, as, I think, juniors in high school. And my friends had the brilliant, for whatever reason, they decided to run through the train tunnel, which was very much not allowed. The train doesn't work anymore, but it used to. Yes. And 
I didn't go through the train tunnel, but like they tracked us down. I was with my friends, and you would have thought they were tracking down uh, like a, a mass murder. Like, like the guy's like, I've got eyes on him. He's got he's on his walkie-talkie. He's like, I've got eyes on him, on the perps. I've got I've got him. I've locked him down. So like, what were you guys doing? My friends were like, we just ran through the train tunnel to get where we were going. So that was my one takeaway from Boo at the Zoo back then was don't let teenage little bleephead kids work there. Now I think they've got it. It's They've got some high-quality kids now. They're all dressed up. They're all playing the characters. They're all doing a great job. Well, you know, the, the little heathens in my neighborhood, of course, we that's the thing we used to always talk about was running around and going, quote-unquote, bag-snatching, trying to find little kids that have gone out and had their hard-earned candy and then some teenager running up and, you know, snatching their bag from them and go running off. You know, I never literally saw anybody do that, but that's always what they talked about, yeah. you know, the, the teenage punks. <laughs> I know there are always stories growing up about, like, you know, kids doing bad stuff on Halloween. And I, you, you rarely saw, like, there were a couple of times where, like, big kids would be out and they would, like, just chase you. And they, I, I feel like when I was, not, like, 15 or 14, there'd be a time where, like, I would, like, just, you know, if a kid was talking bleep, I would, like, kind of act like I was running. But there was never anything terrible. Like, yes. there was never any, you know, lining up kids and dousing them in pee or whatever <laughs> people would talk about actually happening. I do tend to stand out on the parkway in my Michael Myers get up and just, like, stare at cars driving by just because... You know, I'm big and giant. It freaks people out. On I like way. it. <laughs> there's a there's a house near us that has these very intricate, like very scary. Like I don't know how much they pay for these things, but they have like eight or nine like life. They look like movie props, basically. Like, they have a Michael Myers who looks dead up like a human being. Michael Myers. Yes. They've got this year. They added the um, uh, the the, the Gorgon from Stranger Things. Oh yes. That's and again, it, it looks very lifelike. They've got some that like move and stuff. And I always thought there was a house that I, I lived near growing up that would have kind of the same thing where they would have these things out all year long. And then on Halloween, the people who lived in the house would dress up in those same costumes. So you'd go up not thinking it, and then they would jump up and scare the absolute crap out of you, <laughs> which was terrifying. And I thought this, that would be a great idea for these people. But do, does the, is the Myers household, Is it? Uh, do you go all out with the decorations too? Um, I do not normally. My, my, my cousin lives next door to me, and she, uh, she does everything. She's had these two – she has a talking ghost and one that stands about – 12 feet tall, and then another one holding a lamp. And these two things talk. So I've been listening oh to God. these two things talk <laughs> for the last week and a half, like all night long. It's just like, little girl, do you want some candy? <laughs> and you hear all these cheesy lines over and over and over again, like throughout the whole night. Nobody's there. Nobody's walking around. So, like, I'm just listening to these things talk all night. It's, uh, yeah, a little nerve-wracking. It's like but. you're living in a, in a Home Depot store. because. <laughs> yes. I always imagine, you know, when, when I go to the Home Depot, like, I love looking at the decorations they have out for Halloween and Christmas, and they do, they'll do they have, like, the try-me buttons for those ones, like you are talking about, that will yes. talk, and it's like, ha, 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 like, come here, trick-or-treat, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is so cool, and then I'm like, if I worked next door to this in this little area over here and heard that 7,000 times a day, I'd probably want to die. I've like, been listening to it for seven days, at least seven days, Mike. That's a just lot. Just talking. Just it's talking. A lot. Uh, through the night, like literally, it's like it's not motion activated or anything like that. It literally just says those, those same five or six cheesy lines over and over and over again for hours. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Anyway, we're excited about Halloween. We're really excited about Saturday. Uh, about twenty four hours from right now, actually, is going to be kickoff between Louisville and Duke, the number eighteen ranked Cardinals versus the number twenty ranked Blue Devils. And what I think is, as the week has gone on, we're starting to realize more and more just how significant a game this is. It, it feels like an ACC championship game elimination game. It feels like whichever team wins is going to have great momentum going into the home stretch of their season. Whichever team loses is going to be, I mean, a little bit panicky. It's, it'll be back-to-back losses for one of these two teams that's nationally ranked, and you'll start to have to worry about um, maybe a little bit of a, 
I want to say like snowball effect, but you will start worrying about, you know, what do we have to do at the end of the season to make sure that this doesn't go awry a little bit. And I don't know if you watched Virginia Tech Syracuse at all last night, but uh, that game next week is looking a little bit more dicey than we were thinking uh, about a month ago. I mean, Virginia comes out and beats North Carolina last week, and now Virginia Tech all of a sudden looks like they want to have a pulse, and it's like, uh, that's why, you know, they go out there and they get those two road wins in the conference. That's why I'm just so big on the conference road wins. The fact that they were able to go down to Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech, they were able to go to NC State and win in Raleigh. Um, those are huge, huge wins. I mean, you know, I, I subscribe to the whole, you know, they always say that, that one conference road win is worth two home wins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are always huge, and especially in football, just because we've seen how things act weird. We've seen an undefeated West Virginia team lose to a crappy Pittsburgh team and lose a chance to play for a national championship when they had Pat White and Steve Slayton. So, I mean, anytime you go out on the road, that's why losing to Pittsburgh, while it sucked, I wasn't shocked by it just because I know college football, you know, and we've seen it happen so many times. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that we got those early road wins, this is an opportunity to pay it off. Louisville has these next three games at home. So you have to be able to hold serve at home and with the chance and opportunity with North Carolina losing to, you know, realistically play for an ACC championship in Jeff Brown's first year. We got to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, they they did all that work. I'm just hoping that they don't throw it away, you know, two weeks back or at least, well, two games in a row you know you have the tough loss to Pittsburgh they got to hold serve and find a way to get this one on Saturday yeah it's why I think this game is so important because now like you said you look at it if you lose this one suddenly you've lost to Pitt who's not a good team even though it was on the road and you've lost to Duke who is a good team but is a little bit hampered coming into this game we'll talk about Riley Leonard as the show goes on and then you turn your attention now to a Virginia Tech team that was dead to rights at the end of September had lost to Purdue, who's not good, had lost at home, or had lost on the road to Rutgers, who's not good, and had lost to Marshall, who you should not be losing to. Right. Now they start playing Kyron Drones, the, the the sophomore quarterback, a little bit more. They get him into the fold. They make him the full-time starter. They beat Pitt by the same score that we lost to Pitt by. They lose on the road to Florida State, which is nothing. Uh, obviously, that's you know that does not stand out. That's not a bad loss. And they mm-hmm. destroy Wake Forest and destroy Syracuse last night, 38-10. to in a game that really wasn't even that close. It was like 30-3 to three in the first half. Uh, that game looks, I mean, it's still a game that I think Louisville will be favored in. It's still a game that you look at and you say they should win, but it's certainly losable now. Like, I, I think that you take that away from the, I, I've been talking since late September in terms of the second half of the schedule. You know, Pitt's not very good. Virginia's not very good. Virginia Tech's not very good. The other three teams are pretty good. And now it's kind of like, I mean, Virginia Tech's 3-1. and one. You know, We were talking this week about this being a, conference championship game elimination game because both teams have one loss Virginia Tech sitting there at three and one in league play too like they're starting to entertain thoughts of this miracle crazy run to a to the, the conference championship game as well and they're going to come into LNN Stadium whether we win or lose this week with a ton to play for in that game and that makes it a little bit more I mean nerve-wracking than it was going into I mean look at the after they play us Virginia mm-hmm. Tech schedule at Boston College very winnable game yeah versus NC State who looks not very good, and they get that game at home. And then they're at Virginia. That's it. If they beat us, they're sitting there thinking, like, we have the inside track. We're probably going to be favored in all three of our last games to go 7-1 and one in conference play. And after a disastrous 1-4 and four start, we can be playing Florida State for the conference championship. So they're, I mean, again, what, regardless of what we do this weekend, they're coming to town with a whole heap of steam and a ton of motivation to knock us off, uh, like you said. It's imperative that we get this victory this week. Make sure that we have a ton to play for. Make sure that we're focused because from this point forward, like it's it's Duke's good, but it's not getting any easier after Duke. 
It gets tighter, man. I, I mean, that's the thing about college football. Even when you're not playing the, the, the best teams or the teams with the best records, it just seems like when you're playing well, those games get more difficult down the stretch. We saw it with, you know, Lamar Jackson and company. Sure. I mean, you know, you go on the road down there to Houston, you come back and play Kentucky, and it goes from, you know, dark horse for a, uh, you know, a championship opportunity uh, to, you know, losing out on Orange Bowl. You know, I mean, so it just happens. It it piles on top of you. And, you know, that's why, you know, it it would be great if you had some some guys that could instill confidence uh, in certain positions. But, you know, I I know we'll get into that later on. But (laughs) – for sure, for sure. It's a, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking right now, but the cardiac cards are living up to their names as always. If we are looking for reasons for confidence, and we've done this on the show the last few weeks, you know, I, I noted that the Notre Dame spread I thought to me was interesting, that it opened at, I think, Notre Dame like 7.5, went pretty quickly down to Notre Dame 6.5, at one point dropped down to 5.5, and, and there were all these people nationally predicting Notre Dame's going to win and cover easily. This is a two-touchdown victory for the Irish. It seemed like every national prediction and really a whole lot of the local predictions were saying Notre Dame wins and covers, but the line held steady. Like It, it kept moving towards Louisville, and I was like, typically when that's the case, something's up a little bit. Like They, like they know something. Yeah. They feel like Louisville's got a really good shot, and sure enough, Louisville goes out there and wins. Last week, the reverse is true. The, you know, It opens up at, I think, Louisville minus 9. It very quickly goes down to Louisville minus 7.5. It dips below a touchdown at one point. It's like, you know, And I'm sitting here thinking... I know you've got the elements. I know it's a road game. I know that the whole Jeff Brom letdown thing is out there, but Pitt's not very good. We're less upset uh, prone than Purdue was back when he was there. We throw the ball less. The defense is better, all that good stuff. Gamblers are right again. Well, fast forward <laughs> to this week. The spread has been pretty consistently at four or four and a half all week long. Today it jumps to Louisville minus six. That makes me feel good. That, that like if we're If we're trusting the trends here, the trends for all season long have been kind of right with the line movement. Vegas, for whatever reason, I don't know if they've got intel on on Riley Leonard or if there's just some scuttle coming out of the Duke camp. Today, there's been some added money on the cards covering the spread. And that look, I'm looking for any sign I can to feel good going into a big time game. That makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. And you know, the, I said the same thing uh, during Notre Dame week. Uh, Louisville, for whatever reason, in these types of situations where you have like the big ranked games coming in, like I know folks aren't as excited about this as the Irish just because it's the Irish. Sure. Um, But, you know, in these big game scenarios, when Louisville needs to have that big win at home, more times than not, even when Scott Satterfield was there, he figured out a way to beat some, you know, ranked teams at home, like, you know, of course, the Wake Forest game. Louisville gets up for these types of games. So these aren't the games that worry me. It's like, you know, the, the outlier. You know, but go all the way back to to Bobby Petrino 1.0 days, like a, a, a TCU or something that folks don't really know a lot about. That's having a, an okay season, but mm-hmm. they're they're rough and tumble. That's the thing that made me nervous about Pittsburgh. Like those are the games that I worry more about. Like I'll honestly probably be more worried about the Virginia Tech and Virginia games coming up the next two weeks. Like in these types of scenarios, I I like a the matchup with Duke, um, and then b just the fact that it's a big game. Everybody knows they need it. Uh, you know, I, I think that things are trended in the right way. I, I would expect I expect for them to come out there and get things done, I especially with, with, with Plummer coming off a bad game yeah. as well. I, I just think that the re, the focus is going to be there. I think the vibes are good for this game. I, I feel like we had the bye week to get right. We have been a much, much better team at home than we have been away from home so far this season. I do think that even if Leonard plays, which I'm not sure he's going to, 
he's going to be hampered, and we saw last week he did not look like his his usual self against Florida State. Their passing game, even when he has been good, has been not terrific. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a solid setup for us. I think if Jawar Jordan is fully healthy, which it seems like he's indicating that he is, we should be able to run the football on them. And if Jack Plummer just doesn't do stupid bleep, then I think <laughs> that we're going to be okay as an offense because they have been a, a defense that has taken advantage of mistakes on the other side, especially with their, their secondary. But and also, just I, I I trust Jeff Brom coming off a of bye week. He was six. He's six and four all time as the head coach in games off of bye weeks. He's been an underdog in eight of those ten games. So like the four losses, oh, wow. he was an underdog in all four of those games. I, I think you you know you throw records out there all the time and just say he's this after a bye week. You know we talked about the his record after a top ten win. You have to actually look at who the team plays because the, the Purdue thing I think was misleading. It was painted as this whole narrative of. He can't keep his teams focused after big wins, and then you look at it and you're like, well, they were you know 11 point underdogs against Ohio State. They they were right. eight point underdogs on the road against Michigan State. They were six point underdogs against Wisconsin. Those aren't terrible losses. That's just them playing back to their normal status. Now this one was a bad loss. You're a favorite on the road against Pitt and you lose by 17. That one's more difficult to explain. But I do think when you look at his record coming off bye weeks, when you look at what he said, I fully expect the fan base to play a, a part. I think the crowd, like you said, is not going to be what it was for Notre Dame, but it's going to be good, yeah. and I, I think that will have an impact. And then I expect us just to be ready. Brom loves big games. This is a big game. It's the seventh time ever that we've had a game at LNN Stadium that has featured two top 25 teams. I think that we'll have some some new unique wrinkles that Duke hopefully won't be prepared for. Like I trust him, and I trust this team at this point in this spot. I feel good about it. No, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, and, and you know, I just, I, I personally think, and, you know, I've been very adamant, the, the first, this was the first game last week, where I, or two weeks ago, where I really felt Jeff Brown got outcoached. You know, I, I just felt like Narduzzi had him. I felt like we, we kind of saw him become that kind of hard-headed guy that, you know, he used to be at times at Purdue where he just kind of got in a mode where he was like, darn it, I'm going to throw this football and I'm going to make this work because I see the plays, I see him out there, I know we can hit him, and I'm not going to give up on him. That was the first time that we had seen that. Jeff Brom had been a lot more mature and very grounded, and, you know, we, we didn't see a lot of the trick plays and all that stuff. And I had really thought that he had gotten to a place at Louisville, where it's like, okay, we're just going to be dealing with this older, more mature Jeff Brown now. We're not going to see all of the trick plays. We're not going to see him just going crazy with the pass. This is a guy who's running the ball 60% of the time. This is a whole new guy. You know, it's like the best of both worlds. But then, you know, that Pittsburgh game happens, and, you know, he kind of gets back into that rut of we're going to pass you know, to, to get ahead, and then when we get behind, we're going to pass it more, you know, especially when you had the fact that the running backs were running well. Yes, I know mm-hmm. Jawar Jordan wasn't there, but, you know, Turner was averaging almost seven yards a carry. Yeah. Um, there was no reason to abandon the running game the way it happened. I think that he just got so frustrated on that fourth down, having to, you know, looking at the face of having to punt, he really thought that he could get that first down, and I just thought that that started that spiral, um, unfortunately. And, and I think that this bye week has done him well to kind of get himself refocused and just kind of get back on the horse. That's why I fully expect the team to come out ready, come out focused, and it's going to be a whole different ball game out there on Saturday. I, I think because I, I think you're right about we got too pass happy against Pitt. And obviously, we talked about it a ton last week. It's it, everyone was sort of in agreement that that we would have been better served playing a more conservative style when we had that win. I feel like Jeff got frustrated. Yes, I feel like he saw the game the same way that we did in the first half, where it was like man, we're moving the ball on these guys so well. They're not moving it well against us. They've had a couple of big plays. We've made a couple of mistakes. And I think he was just, like, pissed off. I, I think he was like, <laughs> let's now just, like, let's 
let's make sure that we put our foot on the, on the gas and, and run away from these guys. And that, I think, influenced the fourth down call. I think he was frustrated again that Jamari wasn't at the sticks when he caught the ball. And it reminded me of if you're a gambler and you've, you know, you, you've scouted these games out perfectly well and you've made these bets and they're winning the entire time and then some fluky play happens at the end of two games or three games right. and it costs you your bets. And you just get like you're on tilt at that point, and you're like, "To hell with it! I want to get my money back. I know Start what I'm chasing. doing." Yeah. And you're, you're you're like five hundred dollars money line on this twenty eight point favorite that you're like, "There's no way they're going to lose. I just want to get this money back. This is stupid." And then the upset of all upsets happens. Some crazy stuff starts happening, and then you're just like, "How the hell did this? How did I lose seven hundred dollars today?" <laughs> that was Jeff Brom thinking, "How the hell did we lose thirty eight twenty one when it seemed like we were very clearly yes. the superior team. And I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't anything special that Pitt did. We just made the mistakes that we couldn't make, and then we played right into their hands a number of times. And that's why we're sitting here talking about a 6-1 and <laughs> team that's number 18 and not a 7-0 and team that's, like, number 10. Oh, I think that there's no doubt. If they would have went out there and just punted the ball away and just played, just keep away boring, run the ball first, second down, play action on third down, and, you know, if they don't make it, punt the ball again and run the clock, I think Louisville wins that game. We punted week. once in the second half and didn't score yep. in the second half. It's insane. <laughs> Eight possessions, four turnovers, three, uh, I think, what, two fourth down oh. stops, three fourth down failed conversions, and one punt. Unbelievable. Unreal. Unbelievable. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about this football. We'll also get into basketball. Very excited to hear Rashawn's thoughts on basketball. <laughs> I think he's gonna, he'll probably fit in with some of the anger that's been on the show recently. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Back in Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 one The Big X. Happy to have Rashawn Meyer sitting in on the Friday edition as we get ready for a big time weekend of Cardinal Athletics. We've also got uh, you know Louisville basketball back in action on Monday with their second exhibition game uh, against Kentucky Wesleyan. Rashawn, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on basketball in a second, but first we have newly, freshly released the U of L men's basketball theme games for this season. Are you ready for this? Oh wow, absolutely. I always love getting Trevor's thoughts on this because he mocks like <laughs> half them. The home opener on November 6th against UMBC. We're going to be honoring the life of legendary coach Denny Crum. I mean, you had to do this on, on night one. I, oh, I absolutely. Feel, you, know, you, you, you have to do that. There's all, it's also faculty and staff appreciation day. Discounted tickets and recognition will be available for UofL faculty and staff. Uh, on Friday, November 10th against Chattanooga, second home game, it's Villains Appreciation Night, which is the student section, of course. They're, the game is going to feature student-only giveaways and promotions honoring the card's official student section, the villains. At first, when you first said that, I thought I was thinking, like, what, is Gargamel going to be invited to come out or something? <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Maleficent's uh, yeah, right. officials uh, is t- going to be tipping the ball off dressed as, uh, <laughs> as Ursula. We've got on Wednesday, November 15th, against Coppin State, uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Night. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to make a joke, but, I mean, if, if we lose to Coppin State on Mental Health Awareness Night, it would, <laughs> it would be... Coppin State is the worst team on our schedule. They are this year's FAMU. I think they're like 337th on Ken Palm's rankings. 
So that would be a, a bad loss regardless of the night, but it's going to be Louisville recognizing the importance of mental health in everyone's lives and celebrating the Cards All-In Student Athlete Mental Health Organization on Sunday, November 26th against New Mexico State. It's Fall Festival Celebration, Pumpkin Spice Season, as they offer fall-themed concessions and in-game activities to celebrate the changing of the seasons. I don't remember us doing all of these for basketball in the past. I know we did them for, like, every football game now has some sort of theme, but I don't remember all of these for basketball in years past. Well, you know, AAA baseball, they have to, yeah. when when the fans aren't coming out, they have to do things to get fans to come out to the game. So I feel like this is is where we're going. We didn't see a lot of sad comparison. That's such a depressing comparison. (laughs) Louisville's a AAA baseball team now. No, no, no. (laughs) (sighs) But kind of. It's also the annual quote drive for the community. On Wednesday, November 29th, against Bellarmine, it's going to be the throwback game. Louisville goes back to its roots with a retro vibe throughout the game. Throwback music, throwback videos, games, and more. I'm assuming we'll be wearing throwback uniforms, which will be fun. Uh, I want the Dewan Wheat jerseys, the black ones. Somebody had that on uh, Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, uh, yesterday. Yeah, the black, those black with the black letters. Yes, and you had the Duncan Bird in the shorts. Yes, yes. The sad thing about those, they were so gorgeous, and we would only, you know, Crum hated wearing them because we always lost. And so we, we'd wear them, like, once right. every three or four years. I remember we lost – we played Georgia Tech in them in Atlanta and lost. And then we didn't see them again until the the 94 Sweet 16. We played Arizona. It was this big deal. We came out with the black uniforms, and we kind of got hammered by, uh, by, by Damon Sotomayor and that crew. But that was a – those were – those may be my favorite uniforms. I'm 100% with you on that. Absolutely. It's like, Coach, just wear the blacks when they're playing like Austin P or something, okay? Just so well, yeah, I mean, we, get over it. <laughs> we got over the black jersey curse when Patino was here. We started yeah. wearing them all the time. I mean, we wore them like every game on the way to the 05 Final Four pretty much. And Loved that was – it was done forever. Black uniforms are not cursed anymore. Uh, on December 13th versus Arkansas State, it's going to be the Barbenheimer doubleheader, the worldwide phenomenon coming to the KFC Yum Centers. They host a doubleheader with women's basketball. Both games will be themed – to the iconic Barbenheimer movie release with fun games and activities. I, I like that they're doing a doubleheader. That's fun. I like it. I, I'm not familiar with the Barbenheimer thing. It but. was the whole thing about how Oppenheimer and Barbie were coming out on the ah, same day. And so people it. did the double dip where they were, you know, two team, two movies with a very high profile, but obviously very different themes and uh, very different just, uh, you know. Have you of, seen either? I have not seen either as of yet. My son has seen Barbie, but um, have not watched either. So my either. wife bought barbie because she thought it was she, she wanted to see it and she thought she'd get away with it because virginia's into barbie and like having it on the background so uh, you know with kids like you, you watch like 15 minutes of shows and then you have to like turn it off because they want to <laughs> do something and so i've seen bits and pieces of barbie but i've not sat down and seen it from start to finish i haven't seen any of oppenheimer but i will see both from start to finish yeah sunday december 17th is versus pepperdine it's holiday with the cards we're celebrating the holidays with themed promotions you can take photos on the concourse with santa louis and they want you to wear your favorite holiday sweater. So it's like the ugly sweater game. And then on December 21st, we'll play Kentucky. Very simple. It's a red out. Red, wear red. I like it. January 6th, Kroger Food Drive for the pit game. Salute to military appreciation is January 13th. Hoorah. NC State. The annual teddy bear toss is going to be January 23rd versus Duke. It's where we uh, bring teddy bears to the game, toss them on court at halftime, with all items being donated to local children in need. January 27th versus Virginia. It's the Coaches versus Cancer Week. We'll be participating in that. Uh, February 3rd versus Florida State. 502 Day. UofL will celebrate all things Louisville for the second annual 502 game. February 10th versus Georgia Tech. It's Kids Day. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> kids are going to have some stuff for kids. 
Wednesday, February 21st versus Notre Dame, uh, Black History Month celebration. UofL will honor local heroes and community members in celebration of Black History Month. March 2nd versus Syracuse, season ticket member appreciation. There's going to be exclusive giveaways there. And then uh, the last home game versus Boston College, Senior Day, wear red for the seniors. There you go. Those are the promotions for this year's basketball season. I heard for Kids Day they're going to have Goofy do the PA announcing. Message. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a triple A. That is, the, you you tell me that's not a triple A like rundown. Like, where's Greg Galliet at? Like, come on. If we have dancing Carl at mid mid court in the middle of TV timeout, the superstars are going oh, to be in house. The superstars were bad. We had superstars when we were good. I'm fine with that. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I miss the superstars. That was great. Donovan McCrabb. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> Those were the days. Uh, we did have. We, we've heard a lot from Kenny Payne and and the players the last two days because we had. U of L, uh, their portion at ACC Media Days on on Wednesday. We had U of L Media Day yesterday in town. We found out yesterday. I guess the poll came out uh, late night. It was after we got off the air. Louisville has been picked to finish 14th out of 15 teams in the ACC this season. No players got any votes for any of the individual awards, first or second team All ACC, newcomer of the year, anything like that. Um, Rashawn, anything that has stood out to you over these last two days? You know, hearing from Kenny Payne, you know. We, didn't hear from him very much during the offseason. We've now heard a ton from him. A lot of the players have said things. Anything in particular stand out to you these last couple of days? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, every time I listen to Kenny Payne, um, I, I, there's something that always just kind of, I don't want to say it annoyed me, but just something that just was always odd to me about every time I heard him speak. And I think it was even throughout the year last year. Every time it seemed like Kenny went into a interview situation, it sounded like an introductory press conference because you know when a coach first gets yes. uh, comes yes. in, he does a lot of talking about the emotions and you know really wanting to wrap yourself in the flag and trying to bring it back and culture and all that stuff. But usually that conversation kind of stops after that introductory interview. But it seems like every time Kenny talks, it sounds like that same type of rhetoric where you're just saying a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really mean anything. You know, like, we want everybody to work hard. We want them to believe in themselves. I, I think my biggest issue that I, I've had, because out of all the words that I heard, I really haven't heard anything. I don't really know what any of it means. But Kenny talks way too much about emotions. This guy feels good about himself. This guy, you know, doesn't necessarily show the confidence that he'd like to have. I really want everybody to love each other. I want to see a team that shows that they love each other on the court. I don't know what the hell any of that means. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's my thing. I mean, am, am I crazy? Do you Have you noticed that? It's so funny you say that because I, I, I said the exact same thing in the middle of last year a ton. Like, after every post-loss press conference it sounded like he was giving the same talking points that you would give at your introductory press conference. You know, we've, we have to understand what the name on the front of the jersey means. You know, we've got to, you know, we've we got to pick it up. You, the, the culture, you've got to pick a guy up when he falls down. Like, this is what I want to hear on, like, October 1st. Right. It's not what I want to hear when we're 0-9 on December 20th. Like, like this is like, – I, I think that your point is well made. And it does seem like he, he constantly – we're looking for more specifics, right? Like, yes. like we want to hear my big problem with the, the way that the offseason went was after the Boston College loss in the, in the conference tournament, you know, he, he appears it's like totally shocked that anybody might, might ask a question about his future right. or changes on the coaching staff. And I was like, this, uh, you know, like, he has to understand that four and 28 is not like, that's not a normal bad season at any program, let alone one with Wolf's history that had never lost more than 20 games in a year before last season. And so, like, 
I pretty quickly, I, you know, I want to hear a press conference in April or May where he comes out and he's like, I understand that that's not acceptable. It's going to get better. Here's why it's going to get better. Right. I'm going to do A, B, and C. This is the way that we're going to recruit. This is what we're looking for in the transfer portal. This is the way that we want to play when we get our guys. Like I, I wanted reassurance, and we never really got that. And now that he's talking a lot more, you're kind of hearing the same stuff. Like it, it, It's a lot of talk about the chemistry being being good. And you know, last season, you know, we were broken. We had oh, the cloud and all that I stuff. I hate hearing we're, it's broken. It was broken. Like the, 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 Just the simple fact that just the continued talk that it seems like everybody's gone down the road of, we're just going to go ahead and take for the fact that it was literally all the players' fault that left, and they're the reason that Louisville won four games. So we're just going to basically chalk it up to, okay, all these guys were crappy. So now we have non-crappy players here, and that's why it's going to be better. What's what you have to hope for? I mean, <laughs> like I started saying that towards towards the end of last season, where he, he started doing more of the like, you know, we're gonna, you know, he had the one press conference which I, which I still thought was in poor form, where he talked about, you know, we're gonna get players from good families with upbringing. I was like, you know, he's basically saying like, you know, we've got a, a group of bad apples here. Like, as much as I thought that was just shifting the blame unnecessarily you had to hope that he was right. And you still have to hope that he's right. Because if not, you know, if it does in fact fall in large part on the coaching staff last year, there's not a whole lot of hope for let alone this year, but just the the future. If we're talking about getting this program back to where we want it to be. And so you have to just like hope that it was just all like, <laughs> like he had inherited a group of a-holes. Like, like they were just bad. Like nobody could have coached that team to more than, than six or seven wins. And if that's the case, we're going to find out this year, right? Because you know, he's got a roster that, while it, it certainly has its flaws, I think it still certainly has its holes, it, it is a significant improvement in terms of talent. It's the type of roster that I think an elite, and I don't know if you agree with this, it's the type of roster that I think an, an elite coach would at least flirt with making the NCAA tournament with. Like, And I think that that's why we're going to know one way or the other whether or not this guy can be the guy moving forward. Because if we don't even sniff the NCAA tournament, then... Like, I, I don't care who we bring in here. I don't think that this guy can win national titles here, which is the goal if you're Louisville. And if we do, then awesome. Great. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's see what happens. But I think the roster is, is good enough that if you said, I'm bringing Tom Izzo in here, I'm bringing Rick Pitino in here, I'm bringing you know, Ed Cooley in here, I'm bringing you know, Jerome Tang's the hot name out there, like you know, Danny Hurley, like whoever, they would, if not make the NCAA tournament, they would flirt with the NCAA tournament. If he can't do that this year, then I think we're like, all right, it's just, it's just like this isn't going to work. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, I mean, you know, honestly, um, I had opinions about that whole situation prior to any games being played. And then I go out and I watch a Simmons, uh, you know, game where I expected Louisville to come out and look like the Golden State Warriors. And instead I look at the box score at the end of the day and I literally see all the glaring – issues in terms of the types of situations that Louisville had last year, giving up a ton of points in the paint, um, you know, a ton of turnovers, uh, not a lot of assists, almost a, a one to two assist to turnover ratio. Pretty much all of the things that I saw that were the biggest issues for last year's team and the biggest bugaboos showing up against that team, which is ba- barely a half step above a church league team. Like yeah. th- that right there did not, 
inspire me at all to think that things were going to be markedly different. And, you know, as far as the talent goes, I you know, Louisville had size, they had length, they had athleticism last year. It was all about the team concepts, the team concepts offensively to understand what you're doing, the team concepts defensively to, to show that you know what you're doing. You know, one of the things that I always loved about, um, you know, when Coach P was here is that listening to him and, and uh, Bobby V talk after games, and Bob would ask questions about, you know, Tell me, you know, tell me about this run that they made. And Rick goes into specific scenarios. Yeah, well, exactly. you know, we wanted these guys to shade this way. We told him don't let him get to his left hand. If he did, cut off the baseline, do those types of things. I literally have never heard one strategic conversation come out of Kenny Payne's mouth since he became the head coach. No, it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> As somebody who is a nerd about this stuff, who loves hearing coaches go into X's and O's, who, like, I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I watched Rick Patino at his – uh, in his Big E session, he just happened to be like streaming on the on, on the internet. It popped up on my timeline as I was following through. He was on with John Fanta and those guys, yes. And he was going in depth about what they did do well in their exhibition, their, their scrimmage opener against Rutgers that they won in, in double overtime. What they didn't do well, you know, Joel Soriano needs to get better at going over his left shoulder, posting out like all this stuff. And I was like, I miss this so much <laughs> because it's been a year and a half now, and I've got no idea what this man wants to do on defense like, like I, I i have no idea what his crowning principles are defensively uh, you know yeah i, I don't know what the, the goal is supposed to be you know like that that's the biggest thing and i, and I think especially once uh once the season starts uh and i'm able to get into some of those press conferences uh, you know one of the things that i'm gonna make sure to ask him is just like what is you know are there any specific team goals defensively like you know i know coach patino always harped on de- uh, deflections and you know coach mack was about kills getting three straight stops is there any defensive metric that he has those guys focus on because i mean it just seems like there's a lot of focus put on individuals and and getting individuals better defensively but i don't really know what the team concepts or the team goals are and and, and that's something that you know at this point i would think that there would be something that, that yeah. can be said about that. I mean, I, I talked to a – sounds like a brag, but it's not. I, I was talking to a – had a conversation with a coach like three weeks ago that is an active coach in, in college basketball, and he was talking about Louisville and talking about watching them play and, and was like, you know, you'd watch them defend a high, the, the same set, the same high ball screen set three times, and they would do three different things. <laughs> and it, it seemed like there was no – like the, the other player, the help defender – didn't know what the on-ball defender was going to do either, and it was like it was just like constant guessing, and that right. that like that can't be the case in year two. It shouldn't never be the case in year one. But I want to like I would like to know like like you know how do we want to defend a high ball screen? Like like right. are we going to defend differently this year with having a shot blocker like Dennis Evans back there? Are you, do you ice the ball screen? Are you trying to force dribble uh, ball handlers into the lane to you know force challenge shots like? How much help do we want? Like I just, we haven't heard any of that. It's all just like, we got to play harder. We get, we have to, you know, be more of a a team. And I'm like, at some point, like that's just not enough. And it reminded me of I'd gone back and found. I was looking for something that I'd written about Danny Manning a long time ago when he was at Tulsa, about to make the transition to Wake Forest, and ended up finding a quote from him when he was a like like on the way out at Wake when it wasn't going well at Wake Forest, and it was he was kind of being grilled. They, They were a really bad defensive team that year, and somebody asked him you know, what's your primary defensive philosophy if you had to sum it up? And he said, guard your damn man. And I was like, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good sound bite, but, like, you know, I, I can see how their fan base would want a little bit more than that at this point. I kind of feel like we're in this guard your damn man, um, you know, f- philosophy too. If you remember, like, one of the frustrating things for me at the beginning of the year was we give up a game-winning shot against Wright State to their best player 
who gets the ball. He's a mid-range guy. He's not a great knockdown three-point shooter. He takes a sh- he had taken virtually the identical shot to win their conference tournament championship the year before. Mm-hmm. Like like we had fouls to give, and we don't give those fouls. We don't extend the game. We d- we don't make them. You know, try to inbounds the ball with two seconds as opposed to eight seconds. Right. And afterwards, Kenny Payne's like, I don't think that we need to do that. I just think like you know, defensively, you should be able to go out there and you're thinking, just get the stop, just get the stop. And I'm like, that's not like that's just not <laughs> not, right. not what you do in that situation. Right, you have to. I mean, and those types of strategic things are the things that I'm going to be looking for. Uh, you know, I've been noticeably absent. I haven't talked about basketball outside of on my show at all um, on Twitter and X because I literally got told the first home game, the Murray State game. They said, "Look, it's the most hated uh, uh, media guy in Louisville." And it's oh, like, "Oh, gosh. thanks, thanks." <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. I got that the first game, so I have you know decided that you know because it, it, my mom always told me if you don't have anything good to say, don't say nothing at all. So I have decided that until actual games come out that matter, I will. I am keeping my opinions to myself unless you decide to get up 9 to 11 a.m. on Saturday, and then you can hear my long-form thoughts. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's one of those things where the concepts – are not there. They, they they look like a team that was very confused on what needed to happen. I don't know if there were any team goals. Everything just seemed to be individualized. So, you know, the issue is when you have five different guys and they're all just focusing on their own thing, you're going to look like five individuals. You're not going to look like a single team, like a you know cohesive unit. And it's just it's very difficult to play that way. And as you said, you would think in year two, it, you know, there has to be more to it than that. I'm hoping there's more to it than that. You know, I heard you talking about yesterday people trying to say that you weren't really a Louisville fan or whatever. You have being critical of what's going on. No, it's you, you, you understand basketball. You understand concepts. All those things that Kenny Payne says are nice for a soundbite and for fans that maybe don't follow it as closely and don't do the X's and O's and basketball nerds like you and myself. But, you know, while all that sounds good in principle, we need to know how it's going to happen. There's enough of the lovey-dovey. I don't want to hear any more about emotions. I don't want to hear about broken. I don't want to hear about clouds. I don't care about any of that. I need X's and O's, and I need information on what's going to happen. I also don't like hearing what you said multiple times yesterday, that this is going to be the first step. I'm like, no, it's year two. We can't do that. We can't do the whole, like, this is actually the first year, and it's okay if we win ten games because we're re- – like, that's just – in this day and age, there's not – there's not an excuse for it, especially at a place like Louisville. And it's frustrating when you look around the country and you see programs that have less advantages than we do that are snapping their fingers and getting good players out of the portal and who are turning it around in, in quite literally a year that are going from – I mean, Iowa mm-hmm. State went from two wins to the uh, you know the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago, and they were pretty good last year as well. Like With the right players, the right recruiters, and the right coaching staff, like you can be back at the top of your game or be close to it pretty damn quickly. If you're wondering, because we just have a minute here left before we got to go to break, the ACC preseason poll that did come out last night, Duke is number one for like the 85th straight year. They've won, I think, what, one regular season title in the last 15 years, but they've been preseason favorite 13 out of 15 years. It's a crazy stat, whatever it is. But they received 44 first-place votes. Miami, which is coming off of a Final Four trip a year ago, is second. They've got five first-place votes. North Carolina and Virginia are three and four. They got the other two first-place votes. Clemson, Wake Forest, NC State, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Syracuse are the top 10. The only team lower than us is Notre Dame at 15. It's also it's especially discouraging. It's not just that we're 14th. <laughs> we're a solid like 50 points behind Georgia Tech, who's the, the number 13 team. Like There wasn't a whole lot of confusion about Louisville. There weren't a whole lot of people that were like, I think they may actually be 11. No. We were... I think we were almost picked behind Notre Dame. We were, 
only eight point eight votes yeah. different. Based on the voting, it was very clear we were everyone's <laughs> almost everyone's last or second to last choice, which is yeah, look. Got a lot of people to prove wrong, but nice. that's uh, it's sobering to see that. We'll take a, a break. When we come back, 4 o'clock hour is up next. We want to hear from you guys as well on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. We'll do that. Talk more with Sean Myers. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition here on 1450 The Number two here, Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. As we are, I mean, this is this is prime fall, folks. We've got uh, the, the, the weather fluctuating, a big-time football game for the UFL football team, basketball getting ready to kick it into high gear about a week away from the start of the regular season. Halloween week is coming up. It's all happening. This is the, one of the best times of the year. I know, I know you're biased. Rashawn Myers is here with me in studio. I know you're biased, Rashawn, because your birthday is coming up. But this feels like... These are the types of weekends, the types of weeks, the time of the year that you're just you dream about in early June when there's just so little going on in the sports world. That was amazing. I'm telling you, like everything is happening right now. You got Webinyama taking over. Uh, you know his madness in the NBA getting going. You have football. You have uh, baseball playoffs. Yeah, I mean, just everything yeah. is going on. Like uh, for for your sports fan, this is literally this has to be the best time of the year if you're a sports fan. It's got to be. It's up there for sure. I mean, it's, it's certainly the busiest time of the year, yes. and we're very, very excited. We want to hear from you, speaking of busy, on the Thornton Sex Line. Hit us up at 502-414-1450. Reminder, Thornton's looking for the best deals all football season long. If you want to take advantage, become a Refreshing Rewards Program member today. Download the Refreshing Rewards app on your phone. Very easy to do. Should not take long, and then you'll be saving money at the pump or saving money inside anytime you stop into one of the areas. 75000 324 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. They're great at what they do. Do all that, then text us at 502-414-1450. Rashawn, are you ready for a few texts? Absolutely. Let's do it. Texture says, I, I'm sure at the app people are texting you, but can we cut the music off? Hey, Rashawn, I mean, the, the music <laughs> plays automatically. It was like the open, my bad, y'all, the open, <laughs> that was completely different. Like, I do stuff by myself. I, I don't know what Trevor has set up, but I have ended up figuring it out. So, yeah, my bad on the open. It always, whenever somebody besides, <laughs> Scoots knows knows what to do because he's been here, you know, he, he does the shows here and all this stuff. Whenever anybody else happens, it does go, like, the, the song just goes forever. And I'm like, I'm like all right, Gary, can, can, can we cut it? Like, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what it's, – it's different. It's weird. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, that open, the volume for that open is on a completely different yeah. level than everything else. I'm like, oh, that's what they did. I don't know how they did that, but whatever. We don't do anything by the book here. So that's I, the way it goes. <laughs> that, that's, that's how it happens. <laughs> Texas says, Mike and Rashawn two of, are two of my favorite spirit children. The vibes are right for a big game tomorrow. Go Cards. But not this type of spirit children. Did, did you hear Kenny Payne say that yesterday? No, I missed that. So he was. This was. We played the press conference, the the, the media day one here locally, yes. not the one in Charlotte, and it caught like everybody's eye. Like everyone reacted to the same thing on the text line. What had happened? Where he was. He got asked about. You know, you're trying to rebuild the culture here. What types of players are you looking for? And he was like, I don't want to talk about their skill sets. Like we're looking for. And he said, spirit children. <laughs> And it was a reference to, like, players that have the right spirit about them, that are always going to do the right thing, that you just want to be around, like, they, they can build the right culture, all this stuff. But it was a very odd way to phrase it. And a lot of people, were like, very quickly were like, did he say spirit children? <laughs> 
That's like thinking like Sixth Sense. Like, you know, like I see dead people or something. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> maybe spooky season got to him a little bit. I don't know. But it was a – it was nothing. The, the other thing that I picked up on, and I finally had to say something about because he does this all the time. I don't know if you've, you've recognized this, but Kenny Payne says that he gets more phone calls than any person in America. <laughs> like, he said yesterday that he's received hundreds of phone calls about how much better Dennis Evans has gotten. And then an answer later, he said he's gotten hundreds of phone calls from players either saying – they're so glad you got Sky Clark or saying that they want to play with Sky Clark. And I was like, are you really getting hundreds of phone calls about these things? <laughs> Does anybody get hundreds of phone calls about any? Like, I don't think that, that Joe Biden's getting hundreds of phone calls about like Ukraine or anything that's going on right now. <laughs> like I, 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 hundreds seems like a, a, a little bit of hyperbole. Just, just slightly. I, I did. And the, the comment about, you know, he said he had some NBA guys in the, in the, uh, you know, in the practice and said, man, coach, I can see that this is a really disciplined team and maybe the hardest working team in the country. I'm like, who 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 was having this conference? Like, I, I just want to know who who was the NBA guys that were in there, and he's going to sound like you know several NBA players just just you know gave so much credit and credence to these guys and how hard they're working and just unbelievable. You're just you know like uh, just some of that some of the you know people what people are saying quote unquote you know is it's, I, I've always heard you know the only direction I'm getting any of all this glowing commentary comes from the coaching staff. Seems like also if you're Trey White. And you know, you're hoping to be a first round draft pick. Is that really the the, the commentary that you're hoping to hear? That like, hey, I think you're going to have a disciplined team. It's like, well, that's <laughs> not exactly what I was hoping. Not the feedback yeah. I was hoping for there. Hoping for a little bit of like, hey, you got some really good NBA players on that right. roster. Yeah. That'd be nice. You I know. do have a. Uh, I have two spies that are at practice, which just wrapped up, and both neither one know that the other one's there. I don't think they even know each other. They're they're independent. It's like the Manchurian Candidate. They both said the exact same thing, <laughs> which was. Very sloppy. I'm like, ah, not what I want to hear. Well, I mean, you know, when, when Coach Lieberman did his little, you know, breakdown, I don't know, I'm sure you saw that I on, did. On, I did. on Twitter. And, you know, he was literally talking about the first two transition plays of the game, the very start of the game. And he talks about how as, you know, um, as Simmons is coming up in transition, how all these guys are out of position. You know, they're not shading the right ways defensively. You know, Dennis Evans is not back. So, you know, they, they could have had a layup over the top. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about it was you would think that at the very beginning of the game, anything that you were going on, going over in practice, you're going to be make sure to have that drilled in so hard that at least for the first the start of the game, you're going to do everything perfect because we just got off the practice floor and this is what the coaches are wanting. But literally the first two possessions, both the defensive transition and then the offensive transition, running back the other way, guys didn't sprint to the corners. J.J. wasn't running down the middle of the court to rim run, to you know to post up early in the lane. Everybody just kind of basically ran to their spaces to get ready for the offensive possession rather than running to score. And you would think that if that was being drilled in practice, that you would at least see that. I can understand how you can have slippage over time as you play, yeah. but when the first possessions of transition offense and defense are that bad at the very beginning of the game, that worries me a lot. I can't, I can't lie to you. No, I, I totally agree. And, and we talked, uh, I think, the day after the Simmons game about how I, I think if you'd had that stretch of time where we looked so careless with the ball and, and a little bit lax today, if that had happened like in the middle of the game at any point. Right. The reaction to that scrimmage, that exhibition game, would have been a little bit different. You know, we won by 41. At the end of the day, Louisville did what it should do against a team like Simmons College, which plays at, at the D2 level of the NCCAA, not even the NCAA. Like, it is, <laughs> it's quite literally the lowest level of college basketball. That's not crapping on Simmons. That's just, that's, that's what it is. 
the fact that we came out and after a four-win season against an opponent like Simmons College turned the ball over on 12 of our first 23 possessions, like, y- like you knew the way that people were going to react to that after, like after last year. First impressions matter, and, and not that it won't be cleaned up or forgotten if we start off like 7-0 and or something or have, have a great start to the season, but you can see why the reaction was so visceral from a large contingent of the fan base that is hoping for something better, that was you know sick of hearing the talk, that was sick of hearing about you know recruiting and you know the, the black cloud and all this stuff that wanted to see a better product on the court, and we come out and we look pretty much exactly like we looked for five months last year, and that it, it was tough to bounce back from that because there were stretches where I thought they did some really good things. They shot the ball better than I thought they were going to. They got out in transition. Um, you know when they did force Simmons turnovers, uh, they did a good job of, of taking advantage. I thought Curtis Williams looked like a guy that you can really build around. Mike James looked good. Um, you know, Sky Clark showed flashes towards the end of, of being a guy who can run the show effectively. Like there were, it wasn't all bad, but because it started off that way, it was tough for for fans. I, I think a lot of them to really just kind of put that out of their minds. Twenty two turnovers against Simmons College is uh, Rashawn. It's a lot. <laughs> a lot of turnovers. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, that's a lot of turnovers. That is a lot of turnovers, and just just it, it, like I said, it looked a lot like last year. And since we've been told that the reason that they looked like that was because everybody was terrible and and had depression and whatever other issues they had going on, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, the, I don't know if they had the gout or shingles or what was going on, but whatever reason, the players last year, we were told that was the reason that all those things were happening. So to see those exact same earmarks, especially against a team that bad, just doesn't instill confidence. The hope is that you see a much better effort against, a, honestly, a much better team in Kentucky Wesleyan than, than was Simmons. I mean, Louisville, if Louisville plays as badly as they did um, versus Simmons against Kentucky Wesleyan, it's going to be a game. For sure. I said this yesterday, Wesleyan played their first exhibition against St. Louis on Wednesday night, and they, they were competitive against what should be a pretty good St. Louis team. They were only down six with, I think, six minutes to go, ended up losing by 10, mm-hmm. which, again, like Louisville should not have an issue with Kentucky Wesleyan, but I agree with you. If they come out and they do the same, if they have 12 turnovers on their first 22 possessions against Wesleyan, I can guarantee you they're not going to be up 16 to 12. Like, like, like They will be down at that point, and they will run the risk of losing and being embarrassed again on a national stage by falling to a D2 opponent. So, yeah, it needs to be better on Monday. I think they'll come out with a different game plan. I don't think they'll do the platooning stuff. I'm hoping that you're going to see your <laughs> your official starting five. Hopefully Trey White and, and Sky Clark have played together a little bit in practice now. We can kind of move past that, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Texter says, I heard Jawar tweeted that he is healed. Have you heard anything more official regarding his status, his status or Leonard's? If Jaws can go and be himself, I like our chances. If Leonard can go, I really like our chances. Their backup uh, can't go. I really like our chances. Their backup is pretty shaky. The Jeff Brown is really tight-lipped about injuries, uh, unless it's a guy who's out for the season, like Renato Brown, which he announced on Monday. You know, him saying Jawar Jordan and, and Jarvis Brownlee are going to be game time decisions. It doesn't really mean anything. Like he, he could have, like, I don't. He could, he could have said that knowing full well that they're not going to play, or he could have said that knowing full well that they're already hundred percent. I do think that Jawar Jordan putting on his his Instagram. Like that graphic is saying, like I'm healed. You can't just think that that's nothing. Like there has to be something behind that. Uh, the the scuttle out of Duke when it comes to Riley Leonard, all of their media bros are kind of saying the same thing, which is they've heard he's going to play, but he's not 100. percent And I do think I mean, their their backup looked really bad, having to throw the ball late in the game. Henry Bellin the fourth or whatever his name is, the against Florida State did not look good. He didn't have to throw a ton in the NC State game because NC State just couldn't move the, the ball at all. Why did they not kick that field goal? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I really don't. It, it's, it, 
there was a lot of dumb stuff that happened there oh. that, that you kind of feel like if one thing like that could have been a totally different game. If it, you know. Literally, oh. but like, if Leonard doesn't play, I, I feel pretty good about this game. Even if he does play, I, I still feel like we should win this game. I think it's gonna be close, but I do feel like we have an advantage. Uh, but we need Jaws for sure because they're not a they're a really good pass defense. They're not a great run defense. They're a good run defense. They're not a great run defense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, even if Leonard does play, I don't expect him to play the whole game because one thing about Louisville's defense, they hit very hard. Yeah. They, they hit very hard. They're very impactful. So even if he does give it a go, um, all it's going to take is one good square shot on him. Like, like that high ankle sprain, like the fact that he was able to play against Florida State last week was a minor miracle, and it was pretty much one of those things where I was just waiting to see for him to take that first big hit to see if he could get up from it. And literally the first big hit he had, he was out. Um, so, you know, I mean, I hate that for him. He's a very talented player. Um, but, yeah, even if he does play, I don't expect for him to finish the game even if he does play. I think you're going to see Louisville come out with the, the pretty much the exact same game plan that they had against Notre Dame where they're going to dare you to take shots down the field. Like I, I think that you say, we're going to put Quincy Riley on an island. We're going to put, if Jarvis Brownlee's healthy on an island, even if he's not, we're going to put Storm Duck on an island, and, and we're going to stack the box, bring constant pressure, shut down the run game, put pressure on Leonard when he drops back to throw. Like, we want to be in the backfield the entire night. And if they beat us over the top, then you tip your cap and you say, well done, but we don't think you're going to be able to. Uh, they did not throw the ball well down the field against Florida State when Leonard played. They haven't thrown the ball that well down the field against anybody. It's very much a methodical offense that wants to win. They want to play complementary football. Like They, they want to have a, a solid defensive game. They want a low-scoring game. If they win, I, I do think it'll be something where it's like, you know, 20 to 14 or, or somewhere along those lines. That's the type of game that they want. And I think defensively, we're going to be like, okay, if you beat us downfield, you beat us downfield, but we don't think you can. And Sam Hartman tried it early on Quincy Riley. Didn't go well. They didn't try it much after that. And we pretty much shut them down. Texas says, uh, Mike, I'm not a KP hater or anything, but I believe he's done after this year. However, I have a solution to save KP's job and Louisville basketball. There's a balloon glow at Lynn Family Stadium tomorrow. <laughs> Get Carter Knox and the other recruits there by any means necessary. And bang, top five class for next year. Go Cards, beat Duke. People laugh at this, Rashawn. <laughs> I laugh at this. The, the best prospect that we've landed, the only prospect that like kind of doesn't make sense that we've landed for this year's team is Trey White. right? Like Sky Clark was a, was a big-time guy in the transfer portal, but he had a pre-existing relationship with Kenny Payne. You know, the recruiting, Dennis Evans kind of falls into our lap with the late decommitment, all that stuff. Trey White, it was like, damn, this is a guy that, that basketball bennies think is, a, is an NBA player who was all-rookie team in the Pac-12, a lot going for him, a lot of people wanted him. We got him. He came here on Balloon Glow Friday. <laughs> he did. He came here on the Balloon Glow. It's the only reason why we were able to lock him up. The Balloon Glow recruiting magic is a real thing. <laughs> Bring some. You know, we've got 50 recruits coming in here for the football game this weekend. I feel good about football recruiting now. We just need some basketball guys in here. There we go. I like it. I, it, I don't know how many recruits were actually, you know, out there recruiting at the moment just because, you know, I've, I only know of about two or three with Carter Knox being one of them. And, you know, we, we know how those those family members of former U.K. players has gone for us lately. So I'm not necessarily very excited, but I'd like to hear about anybody, you know, just hear about some, some recruits, period, just something, you know, like just – yeah, I, I don't know if I've heard about a, a basketball player coming to a football game, and that used to be like one of the biggest recruiting right. weekends. Is you know the football especially games now early. the football games are are, are are very lively. Like, why Absolutely. would you not take advantage? I just don't get it. It's weird. Somebody the other day, I think it was actually yesterday, tried to blame me posting a snippet of a L. Ellis story from an Arkansas <laughs> writer on us not getting Carter Knox, and I was like, buddy. <laughs> 
let me advise you that Mike Rutherford is not going to have any any impact at all on where any recruit goes to school. If Carter Knox, nor, nor Rashawn Myers or any of the other media members in the city. If Carter Knox picks the UK hat at his press conference or the G League hat, because that sounds like those are the, the two options. And in his explanation speech during his Q&A session says, <laughs> I was going to go to Louisville, but they've got this guy out there. I think he has a radio show or something. <laughs> and he posted some comments that L. Ellis had made to an Arkansas writer. And I was like, no, I don't want that, that toxicity in my life. Then I will apologize and I'll quit all the jobs. I will I'll, call you I'll the most powerful it. man in media if that happens. I wish I had that much power. Trust me, I'd be using it for... You, you should make yourself a t-shirt, like, if that happens. If I had that much power, you want to see a butt slapper? I would just turn it on. <laughs> if, if I could get recruits to come here by being sunshine and rainbows, oh, I would speak glowingly about this entire... Josh Jameson would be the greatest assistant coach in the history of college There's basketball. There's enough radio shows doing that already. Like, please don't do that. <laughs> There's not. There's not. Everybody's fine. Mm. Everybody's fine. Texter says, uh, I know it's going to be a football-centric show today, but I wanted to take a second to shout out the women's program. Huge recruiting weekend for them hosting five-star prospects. Yeah, they've got uh, Zach Randolph's daughter is coming yes. into town. Uh, McKinley Randolph, also Jeloni Cambridge. Texture says also a f- high four-star prospect is announcing her commitment tonight, seemingly between us and South Carolina. Uh, we have not mentioned this, but UVA women's basketball was picked to finish fourth in their preseason ACC poll. Olivia Cochran was on the first team, and then I think a couple of the transfers made the, the newcomer list. It's still weird. Like Louisville's a top-20 team this year, the top-15 in the, the coaches' poll. It's strange to look at a preseason ACC poll and not CS one or two. It feels I, I was going to say you said fourth. I couldn't believe it. I yeah. haven't seen the predictions, but I can't believe they're even being picked that low. I mean, I'm super super excited. I mean, Jeff Walls always he does an awesome job, and you know, watching them up in Canada actually made me more excited. I didn't realize how good Same. Sydney Taylor was. I mean, that young lady's outstanding, uh, and with you know with all the, the the transfers that came in, Jada Curry and the rest of them. No, I think the women are going to be great again. So yeah, I, I'm shocked to hear they were fourth. Uh, you know, I'm guessing uh, you know Elizabeth Kitley, who's played 75 years of basketball <laughs> at Virginia Tech, uh, is back again. So I'm guessing uh, you know got to be Virginia Tech, NC State, uh, and I don't know. Florida State. I don't know who. Do you know who the other other team is that's right ahead of them? Yeah, you know the first. Uh, you, you know the first one. Virginia Tech, then Notre Dame is second. North Carolina is third. Okay, uh, Louisville's fourth. NC State's actually dropped all the way down. They're eighth right really? now. They, they've struggled oh, wow. a little bit with recruiting. They, they, you know, they had a big fall from Grace last year. But I, I, I totally agree. Like you know, we heard so much about Jada Curry when she transferred in, and yes. then you see Sydney Taylor play, and she was our best player in, in the, the Canada, the, the Global Jam. And then Kiki Jefferson also has been named to the newcomer watch list along with Jada Curry. Yeah, but seeing them at four, I think Walls kind of likes it. There's a ton of pressure. He, it's been so rare for him to be the kind of the, the hunter. Right. I think he's probably going to embrace it. I think, I think he really likes this team. I think he feels like he's got a culture, coachable group of women. I think maybe that hasn't always been the case in recent years. And this is also a chance for him to flex his coaching. Challenge. We're talking to you, Haley. We, we, okay. are, we are. We kind of are. We, oh. we, I think she was fine. I, I don't think she was a huge issue. I think she was – she was uh, up until last year. Mike, let me tell you something. Haley Van Lith was always a big issue, and I'm gonna tell you why. All she liked to do was shoot the damn ball, and she didn't play any defense. Like I, I, the defense I, was I, suspect. I mean, she did. She never wanted to get down on a possession. She never wanted to play point guard, even though she's like five foot two. All she wanted to do was get out there and shoot a bunch of fadeaway jump shots. Haley Van Lith, I loved her to death. She was very talented, but she got on my last nerve. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Like I was not unhappy to see her go to LSU. I hope her and you know all the the, the ladies down there at LSU just enjoy themselves because I really was not upset with her leaving. She's gonna have to play point guard down there this year. Apparently. I, I've never seen Jeff happen. Walls cater to a player the way he did Haley Van Lith ever. By the way, it is Jeff Walls' birthday today as well. Happy birthday, Coach! Happy birthday, Coach! We love you. 
502-414-1450. This is one of those segments where like we've read five texts and we've gotten like 50 in during the time <laughs> we've been reading. So it's, it's going to be one of those days. People are fired up. People are, are happy. People are lively. There's a lot going on. Two of America's most wanted on the radio today. Damn right. Same mother bleeping <laughs> place, the same mother bleeping time. Texas Barbie and Oppenheimer are amazing. Trevor still owes me a review of both. He's going to have to do it. He's going to have to do it. <laughs> Trevor did text in at one point. Uh, what did he say? First of all, he's just like listening to the show from start to finish the last couple of days. I don't know what's, what's going on with him. But he he's says, giving me pointers over here on the board, too. He said Louisville basketball has not gotten as bad as AAA baseball, Rashawn. <laughs> now come watch the Cards host Bellarmine at halftime. Watch Zan Payne wrestle a bear. <laughs> very, very well played. <laughs> Texter says uh, the U of L line is now up to minus six. No player prop bets on Riley Leonard. It makes you wonder. Seriously, though, if we can win this game next week against VT, it's going to be massive. If Brahms somehow wins out, give that man a 20-year extension. John's birthday today, mine on Sunday. The vibes are perfect for this weekend. And Rashawn's on Monday. We're feeling, we're feeling, we or I guess uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We're feeling great. I mean, I mean, it, it is crazy how we try to analyze the strength of schedules before seasons or even in season because we were looking at this and we were like, damn, you know, that, that, that at Pitt game is going to be very, very tough. The at NC State game is going to be very tough. And now you look at it and you know, Pitt has underachieved dramatically, NC State's underachieved dramatically. And then, you know, we're looking at it after five weeks saying Virginia sucks, Virginia Tech sucks. Miami's great. They look like a legit top 10 team. Now Miami's lost two in a row. Virginia Tech's won three out of four. You just, you never know. Like This could end up being a schedule that looks a little bit tougher at the end of the season than we thought it was going to be going in. I mean, in that, it seems like that's always the way it ends up. You know, the, the ideas of what you have about what, where the strengths and where the weaknesses are and where it's going to be tough. I mean, that's football. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just always one of those things where your concept going in always seems to change about week six, seven, or eight. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this is what we're dealing with. I mean, and, you know, honestly, I mean, Kentucky, everybody thought about, you know, man, I don't know if we can get this done. Is anybody really afraid of UK right now? I mean, just being not honest. Not from a – just <laughs> not from a, like, the way that I've seen them play. They lost season. to Missouri. The, the only thing that scares me is the – like, and look, it's the Braum era, Satterfield's done, but the way that they've just manhandled us the last few years in, in the trenches does – I'm still a little bit weary of that game, but I want to see how they play, like – I think this weekend for them is a huge game. If they lose this one at Tennessee and, and if they lose handily, I think they start to crumble a little bit. And then you look at their schedule, it's like there's not a guaranteed win for them left out there. Like, like this could go south for them very quickly. And, you know, I mean, you still have to play Bama. Bama can break teams when they play them at home. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think they need to at least be very, very competitive against Tennessee this weekend or have run the risk of this thing going pretty significantly south. Um, man, <laughs> it'd be great. I mean, think about them losing out and then be having five wins going into that last oh, game against would, us, like back in the day where we can keep them out of a bowl game. That would be so awesome. Be, I would love that. But, I mean, you also look at our schedule and you say we can we can kind of lose to anybody too. Jeff Brom, I mean, Brom pointed that out in the athletic story by Justin Williams yesterday where he was saying, you know, we're 6-1, and one, we're in the top 20, we could easily be 3-4. and four. And you know, the guys, if they start getting a little high on themselves, then – we could easily undefeated at home. Go We've been busting heads at home, so I, I I will not allow any of that negative energy into the LNN. No one comes into LNN and wins. I like that. <laughs> you know the other thing: if there is a positive to be taken out of the pit loss, it's that if we do have a big top twenty win over Duke this weekend, you know that they're going to be full focus going into that Virginia Tech game because they're playing well. They already heard the whole song and dance about you guys got high on your own supply after the Notre Dame game, <laughs> and you know it's it caused you to lose to Pitt and you fell flat on your face. Like you know, they're going to be fully focused going into what will then be an even more important game. Like every at this point, every win makes the next week that much more important because if you win out, 
I know we need a little bit of help from North Carolina or the tiebreaker system, but man, if you went out, it, it's like an 88% chance that you're going to go play for a conference championship. And that's something that Louisville's never done before, at least in this league. Texas says UofL basketball having a promotion for mental health awareness is the irony of all ironies. Like, I wasn't going to say it. The, the set, I wasn't prepared for that when I read it. My, re, my reaction was natural. Having mental health awareness on the, the Coppin State game is just, if they were to somehow lose that game, there would be some irony at play that would have to be discussed. <laughs> at least there'd be plenty of caregivers on hand if, you know, folks are having issues. If it was the Coppin State, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I may just, <laughs> I'll stop the show and just go to therapy every day. <laughs> Texas, are we going to start putting LEO on the back of our jerseys? I don't even know what that means. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't understand that, that text. One. You're going to have to lay it out. Leo Magazine? Yeah, it's, yeah he, did, <laughs> he did the acronym, too, the dots. I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know. Texas, the only thing that was broken for Kenny's first year was apparently the transfer portal. <laughs> I do get tired, and this is, you know, we're rehashing old stuff now, but I do get tired of the narrative that, like, he couldn't have done anything about last year when – like, there is a clip from WLKY of him that May saying he thinks the team's going to be good, and if we get some of these guys that we're after in the portal, we have a chance to be really good. Like, we had the opportunity to go get more yeah. players, and we pass on some guys because we thought we were going to get some big-time talent. When the big-time talent picked other schools, we just decided, hey, we're good. We don't need anybody else. And it was a huge error in judgment. Like, you, I'm not saying that Kenny Payne could have made moves last season that would have made us a national title contender – but I am saying that a four and twenty-eight season was not like a an iceberg that was totally unavoidable. Like there were moves that could have been made to make last season a tolerable effort, where we could have been a, a decent team, and they just they didn't do it. No, no, I, I tell you what, and, and this is the thing: people wanted to get on you about posting that whole L. Ellis thing. Is there anybody out there that really believes that we're not going to be tracking and seeing what L. Ellis is doing? with Arkansas, what, you know, Withers is doing with North Carolina, what's going on, uh, you know, with uh, the, the kid out of Arizona State, um, you know, Kamari Lands. Are you think that, like, everybody's going to be watching to see because we kept hearing about that these guys weren't talented, they suck, they, you know, cancers, whatever. Everybody's going to be watching. They're, they're, they want to see what Trenton Flowers is going to do over in sure. Australia. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we want to find out and have as much data as possible to figure out why what happened. You know, last year's not going away. You can keep saying that you want to turn the turn the page on it. Don't talk about it. Everybody is going to want to continue to watch those storylines because honestly, Mike, at the end of the day, in this era of the transfer portal, that's why the talk about building culture and it's going to take years to build this back. Every year in college athletics now is a one year re renewable contract. Mm -hmm. Basically, you can flip your team in football or basketball every year. There is no more building for two or three years. It just doesn't exist anymore. You know, so that's why. I mean, honestly, we just have to find out. Who's full of mess and what the truth is? And look, Kenny Payne says he doesn't, he doesn't want to forget about last year. Like he, he keeps saying, and he's like, I want them. I, I want to talk about it. I, I want it to be brought back up. And the notion that we shouldn't pay any attention to what our players th that were here last year are doing at their new locations, I, I think first of all, we do this all the time. Like, like you know, <laughs> we, we were interested in how Sam Williamson was going to play at SMU. We were interested in what in Josh Nickelberry's at Florida State now, but we were yeah. tracking his stats a little bit. LaSalle. you're always curious to see what guys who move on from the program do at their next stop. I think you should be especially curious when we're all trying to figure out how a program like Louisville could, could actually go 4-28. and And one explanation is the players were just crap and not good kids and uncoachable. And if that's the case, then all of these guys should go to their new, new destinations and have bad seasons. 
And if they don't, like that's it's at least worth talking about. Like it's something that has to be discussed because, like you said, like four and twenty, it's not going any, anywhere. It's especially not going anywhere when you've got a first-year head coach producing that record. Because if it were anybody else, if it were somebody with a proven track record, you could have the conversation about like I don't know why this happened, but you know he won it. Arkansas, he, he wanted Iowa, he wanted wherever he was yeah. before this. That's why I think that we, we can get back on track. With Kenny Payne, we don't have anything to go off of besides that. Right. So like, I think we're all very curious about, like, was this just a, a total outlier? Was this just a fluky thing? Can this actually work? And part of that equation, part of that mystery surrounds the players from last year's team. So when you see Kamari Lands go to Arizona State and lead them in scoring <laughs> in, an, in an exhibition win over a team that played for the national title last year in San Diego State— you kind of do a little bit of like a, hmm, I, that doesn't make me feel overly comfortable right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and all I know is from all it sounds like, L. Ellis is going to be the starting point guard for the number 14 team in the country. Well, he's not playing point guard. They're playing him off the ball. Well, well, he's uh, hel- assisting in ball handling. Yes. Let's, let, let's yes. say that. But he's, uh, you know, from what, uh, you know, Coach uh, Musman said, he's going to be on the court a lot. You know, so it sounds like on a team that went out and recruited, what, eight portal guards, eight to seven God, or eight, yeah. you know, he's still showing that he's at the cream of the crop good enough to start for, for Arkansas. So, I mean. And he's drawing rave reviews. Like, yeah. like, like that was the other part about the story that, I, it was, that was notable. It wasn't just the, like, the weird anecdote about them showing Louisville clips in, in practice. It was Eric Musselman gushing over L. Ellis, saying, yep. like, he's phenomenal. Like, he's so happy. to. You know, they, they sort of make these in the story, and I linked it on the website. They make these kind of vague references to Louisville where Musselman is like, he's actually got talent around him now. And you'll, you'll see that. Like, he loves being a distributor, being a distributor first, like having less of the, the ball handling pressure on him. Uh, we know what he can do scoring. Like, if you go and you look at, like, because I Twitter searched L. Ellis after the game to see, like, he was the most talked about Arkansas player amongst their fan base. Like, they, they all were like, I love this kid. He looks incredible. Look at that speed. Look at the scoring. And if he goes down there and just thrives when we have so many people that are like, he was the main reason why we sucked last year, like, it, it's another piece of evidence that at least has to be talked about. Now, if he goes down there and has success and we kill it without him here anyway, like, like okay, fine. Glad you're doing well. We're doing even better without you. But, like, you know, we'll see if that happens. Uh, I have heard, I mean, if you're looking for, like, reasons to feel better about things, I have heard that Jalen Withers' experiment in North Carolina is not going great. So, well, <laughs> if Withers comes out there and averages like 28 points per game next this year for UNC, that's when I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, like it very clearly wasn't the play. I just hope he doesn't go for like a Marvin Stone when Louisville plays North Carolina and has like, you know, know. 28 and I 20. Know. <laughs> because he used like one of, you know, Jalen would have one, one out of like every six games. He would have these Jalen games yes. where he looked like a, an NBA power forward that was just doing things that were remarkable. And I feel like it always came out against North Carolina. So now I feel like the reverse is going to happen where you know, he, he will have scored like an average four points per game over his last 11, and he's going to drop 27 on us or something. Uh, don't we play North Carolina twice this year? I, I think we do. I, think I, we're I, right I about believe that. we play them twice this year, so Lovely. we can see them twice. Yeah. Wonderful. Can't wait. <laughs> Love as much Armando Bacon as I can have in my life. <laughs> Speaking of guys that have been here for 27 years. Yes. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. Thanks so much for spending some of your Friday with us here on 1450 The Big X.
back in. Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X, as we continue to get ready for another big one for the U of L football team tomorrow at 3.30, number 22, uh, number 20 Duke coming to town. ESPN has the TV coverage. You can hear all the action on our sister station, 970 WGTK. I'm also just noticing now here in the studio, it was gone for like a week, but the, the autographed picture of Charlie Strong and Joker Phillips, that was the only sports memorabilia we had in the old studio, has been returned. It's back. I don't know oh, where it nice. went. I, I don't know what happened. I was a little bit nervous that it wasn't going to come back because, look, I, I'm Troy brought it in like the first day that I was doing the show and was like, now this is like a, it's a real sports studio because somebody gave him, somebody apparently owed the station money, I guess. And like, <laughs> he was like, I got this picture for you. And Troy's like, cool. What about our money? And, and that was, so now it's a, it's a piece of memorabilia. It's a piece of history. And the fact that it's back makes me happy. The vibes couldn't be better. I'm feeling better and better about tomorrow's game as the show goes on. I'm feeling also really good that we got Rashawn Myers in here doing the show with me here on a Friday. Time is flying, my brother. I mean, it is. It is just, it's been I mean, so quick. Like, it's crazy. You know, people always talk about, you know, how are you going to do three hours of sports talk? Like, talking for three hours, my God. How do you do it? <laughs> and there are some days where I'm like, yeah, it's rough. But days like today, like when you when you, when you have somebody that you, know, you just bounce stuff off of that, that is just as insane about sports stuff as, as, as we are, it makes it go by very quickly. It's like we're just talking. You know, it's just dudes talking sports. I'm telling you, it's on the phone, can't see each other. We're just talking on the phone, and everybody's just listening in. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> text line, we, we were also talking to you guys, 502-414-1450. Very active text line today. we got a lot of texts. Love it. We will always get to as many as we can during the show. We're, we're going to do our standard pick segments at 530. Um, Trevor has sent in. We, we also have been doing Big X, Big Bets of the weekend, which have been a big hit. Um, I, we had a, a little bit of a down weekend last week. Trevor went 0-3. I went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. We're still doing very well for the season, so we'll have our big X, big bets at 5.30, and then we'll do our, our pick em segment. We'll let Rashawn pick some games. With uh, Trevor has sent his picks in, but we'll let Rashawn kind of give his takes oh, on the biggest college football games of the weekend coming up. Uh, Texter says, 502-414-1450. One glaring thing to me from Payne's presser was that he's okay with overpassing because it encourages ball movement. I see it as players passing up open looks. I, I think that... Part of the problem at the beginning of the Simmons College game was that we were overpassing because the coaches have just hammered that home about, you know, you, you, ball has to be constantly popping. Ball's moving. Ball's moving. Nobody make a move to the basket before four passes. It's like Hoosiers. And we had a lot of turnovers because guys were just making unnecessary passes. I think that's one of those things that you hope goes away as the team plays with more of a natural flow once they get into the season. But I do think that it's been – Again, we'll see on Monday if, if it's improved at Wesleyan, but I thought it was a little bit of an issue against Simmons. Yeah, I mean, that, that was one of the things that in the first red-white game last year that I thought was odd because when I watched them come out, you would see L. Ellis and some of the guys drive down the court and have, like, wide-open layups, but instead jump and turn and throw the ball behind them because the coaches said they wanted, you know, X number of passes before a shot. And it, it, to me, that builds more bad habits than anything because you have to be able to you know be on the court and understand what's a good shot and what's a bad shot and then you know make the requisite play you know rather than just trying to superficially you know look away from good opportunities I, I don't know I just that always seemed odd to me like when I saw that last year I had not seen that before um you know thankfully they didn't from what I heard I was unable to, to attend the red white game this year but from what I heard and understood they didn't really do a lot of that but, yeah, just, just kind of that passing just to pass. If there's opportunities that, that are available, I, I don't really understand the concept behind it. I mean, the whole thing is to get the ball into the paint, and then once you get into a paint, you know, however the defense plays it is how you react. So, you know, it's kind of weird. Yeah, 
I, I'm kind of I'm with you. But we'll see again. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes on as the, as the season gets here. Texas, what are your thoughts on Payne's comment that uh, NBA guys are saying you're going to be a disciplined team, you're going to be a well-conditioned team? I found the statements odd. Why does he need affirmation? More concerning, why is he publicly talking about the affirmation? Yeah, Rashawn brought it up earlier in the show. <laughs> it was, you know, it was one of those things where I'm kind of like, you know, is that is that really what's happening? Is that, is, is, you know, the, the one element of the conditioning talk that concerns me is we heard so much about the conditioning last year, right? Like, yeah. you know, there was, you had players who were like, we're not even really doing any, like all we're doing is running for the first couple weeks of practice. And I was like, cool, I, I miss being the more conditioned team. I, I miss wearing teams down the way that we did when, when, when Rick Pitino was here, all that stuff. And then the season got here, and we looked more tired than everybody every game. Like, like we looked like, you know, we, you know, Sidney Curry, let's just say it, looked out of shape when the season started. And I was like, if we're really doing all this conditioning stuff, why, why do we look like this? So I kind of take the conditioning stuff with a grain of salt. I, I like hearing it. If NBA guys are saying that, that's, that, that's comforting. But I want to actually see how it looks when we get to real games. Well, Mike James said he was year. fat last year. Mike James, yeah, I mean, he's, he called himself you know, Fat Mike. From one Fat Mike to another, I hear you. Like, I've been there. I see pictures of myself now, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I need to get on the new Mike James diet. I need to be skinny Mike next year. But you know, he, I think he was talking about how he was out of shape because the Achilles only let him do mm-hmm. so much and, right. and, and all that stuff. And he, t- you know, to his point, he does look much quicker and much more confident attacking the glass than he did at, at least at the beginning uh, of last season. He got better as the, as the year went on. But you can tell that he's been fully healthy for a full offseason. He's, on the, he's definitely going to be on the glow up this year. I fully yeah. expect that Mike James is going to be outstanding this year. I do too, and, and again, like you know, there, it's not like this team is totally devoid of talent. Yes, I think like I really like I was surprised at how good Curtis Williams looked. Like he he looks like a player. The shot looks fantastic. He did a good job finishing around the rim. I know that he my my boy CDK City Kaplan was out there at media day yesterday, and he asked him you know, about are you still comfortable playing the point guard? And he was like his body language suggested that he doesn't really want to do it. And Kenny Payne said as much during the press conference yesterday. Hopefully he doesn't have to do much of that with Tyler Johnson now eligible and ready to go. But, you know, there are guys on this team that I really like. I like Mike James. I, I think Sky Clark can be a, a, a very good point guard at yeah. this level. Um, I mean, Dennis is Dennis. Dennis can do no wrong in my eyes. Dennis can do whatever he wants, and I'm going to love what Dennis does. Like, there are talented players on this team. It's just a matter of how much can you actually get out of them, and is it enough for, for us to think that long-term this staff can, can win national titles here? Absolutely. Well, you know, and for all our Indiana Hoosiers fans, talking about Curtis Williams, I feel like he can have, like, the way he looked and how comfortable he looked playing uh, against Simmons, I mean, I think he could, you know, possibly have one of those Maurice Creek type, you know, come out of nowhere freshman years like, who's this dude and why is he so good (laughs) so early on? Like, I mean, Curtis looked, he just looked very comfortable. It wasn't just about the shot making, just his intelligence, his ability to play defensively, his size for his position. Um, He was impressive. I just need to see him back it up. I can't, I can only take so much because Simmons is so bad that it's more the glaring issues I look at more than anything that anybody did well offensively just because Simmons is so bad. I hate to be like that, but I just I need to see more. But it, it was definitely encouraging to see what Curtis did out there the first game. Texas, my thought with KP is that he's a great position coach that would kill it with Patino at the helm. Rick couldn't do much with Biggs. Look at what Kenny did with Cal and the talent at UK. That's his niche. Hey, maybe. I mean, you know, he he clearly was doing something right at Kentucky, right? Like, we, we can't just sit here and be like, hey, he had – it's clear that he had no part in the success. Like he was, had a connection with a lot of players. All those players who have gone on to be very successful in the NBA 
have spoken glowingly about him. But so far, it just it has not gone as well here with him being the head man, whether it's we're talking about on the court or on the recruiting trail, as we would have liked. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, and Patino, it's not like we had no success with big men during those years. Gorgie Zhang became a very good big man who developed over time. Um, did we have more success with guards? Sure. But that's kind of also the nature of his game. Like, he wants to be a guard-heavy coach. That's the way that college basketball is typically won, and it's especially so true now. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I don't disagree with your broader point, for sure. Texas says, I'm interested for your NIT thoughts if you haven't given them yet. Have you seen the, the NIT news that's out there today? No. No. What, what's going on with the NIT? They've made some, some sweeping changes. Oh, wow. The NIT now, they're doing away with the rule that said if you win your conference, like, like these, these mid and low major leagues, if you win the, the regular season title, you're guaranteed an NIT bird. Right? I like that. I, I love like that, that rule. Yeah. It, it was great for the mid-major. It was great for the low-major because as exciting as March Madness is, as exciting as college basketball's postseason is, I think we can all agree at the lower level it's inherently unfair. Yeah. If you are a if you are in the America East Conference, if you're Vermont in the America East and you go seventeen and one, and the next best team in that league is thirteen and five, you're pretty you've clearly proven yourself to be the best team in that in that conference. But if you slip up in one of three postseason tournament games, you don't get to go represent the league in the in the, in the NCAA tournament, and that's probably not fair. But it's also in, insanely exciting, and we love it. I've always liked that you at least have the fallback of getting to play in the NIT and getting your shot to. To go play, you know, an underachieving Kansas State team, or I mean, hell, an underachieving Louisville team, you know, in, in those odd years, get a chance to play at the KFC Um Center, get a chance to play wherever. And now they're doing away with that rule. They they instead have a new selection process that's going to guarantee two teams based on the net rankings from each of six power conferences: the ACC, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the Pac-12, and the SEC. The top two teams in the net rankings not qualifying from the for the NCAA tournament from both of those leagues are going to be selected regardless of record, regardless of anything else, what? for the NIT. What kind of big government type? I know. <laughs> that's the one. Wow. Just basically just screw the little guy. That's that's wild. No, I don't. I definitely don't like that. No. It's terrible. A- additionally, the, the those 12 teams will automatically be selected and guaranteed the opportunity to host games in the first round of the NIT. The, the, they will then have an NIT selection committee that will select the 20 best available teams for the, the other 20 spots in the 32-team field. I hate it. It's dumb. Yeah. It's silly. I feel like they're doing this solely because there was that story a few w- weeks ago about, I think, like Fox trying to get together a postseason tournament for the best teams. In, you know, the, you know They have the, the TV rights now for the Big Ten, the, uh, the Pac-12, and somewhere else. Well, I guess the Big 12. And yeah. they were going to do like the best teams in that conference that don't make the NCAA tournament are going to play in a post. I, I feel like this is the NIT trying to protect mm-hmm. that. Okay, which is, is fine, but it, it makes sense. But yeah, that's still it sucks. screws the little guy. Yeah, I hate it. It's dumb, really dumb. Texture says five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. I think deep down, all of our biggest fear is that Kenny and the rest of his staff are individual workout guys and not strategists. Sure, maybe they can manage personalities, run a workout, and be great assistants. But I'm worried that none of them have any idea how to actually run a program. I think that's a fear. For sure. I would have liked to see Coach Lieberman get one of those on-court coaching positions. I would have too. I, I, I'm just going to keep it real. I don't know what Milt Wagner really brings that's not already out there on the court that's out there coaching the guys. I'm just – you know, I, I hate to pick pick on Milt. I don't know the other guy at all, but I just – I don't really know what, what we're doing, what the purpose of that was. Like, it just seems like there's a very concerted insistence that this is going to be only former player type 
guys that are going to have any impact and they don't really want your traditional experienced coach guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems yeah. like there's a really, really hard and fast rule that this is going to be, you know, for the players, by the players, you know, type deal. So I, I'm with you. Gabe Snyder, the other guy who got promoted to be the, the, the fifth on court coach who was with Kenny Payne with the Knicks who came here this year. I don't know enough about him to really say anything, Yeah, but I mean, when Kenny Payne got hired, we all said the same thing, which is when he's building the staff, he needs to do what Jawan Howard did at Michigan, which is go get a proven, successful former college head coach who can, you know, maybe help him with the, the ins and the outs of just running a program, what it takes, because he's never done this before. He's never been the man. And it's very different, you know, he, according to all accounts at UK, he was very much the, he was the good cop when players were upset with John Calipari being hard on them in practice. Like, he was the guy that they could go to, kind of air their grievances. Like, that was his role. You can't do that when you're the guy. You, you can love him up. You can be a player's first coach, but at some point, like, you've got to be the one who's laying the smack down. You've got to be the one who everyone respects. Like, it's just, it's different. And so we all were like, you know, he needs to go do what Juwan Howard did, which is go get Phil Martelli and, and make him the associate head coach. He can help him out. And he did that in getting Danny Manning. The problem is Manning didn't have a whole lot of success as a head coach. And I, I think there were also some concerns about how motivated Manning was going to be to take this role when he's been primarily a head coach only for the last 15 years. Even though he goes to Maryland, he takes over as their head coach after a month into the season. Like, like And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem to be going well so far. He, he tried to go out and get somebody who could fill that role, but it clearly hasn't, hasn't worked great just yet <laughs> and then Nolan was going to be the young recruiting guy who could identify with the players I mean Jameson had never been a coach at all he had pretty Jameson much was been a, an ops guy. <laughs> Jameson was a wild card I mean, like, I mean he was just an ops guy like literally he was like a 10 12 year ops guy <laughs> when I heard that we were getting the guy from Oregon I assumed it was the Dana Altman's I think third in, in, yes. in command that was sort of being rumored and then the Jameson name pops up there and I was like oh I have no idea what this is uh, that was it was interesting but he and, and Kenny Payne clearly have a, a good relationship um, that was it was an interesting hire. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I was a little surprised, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if I don't know how you feel about this, if we do win, like, because I don't know what Josh Hurd's bar for this season is. Everyone's talking about how many. You know, we we have the question every single day. How many wins do you think it'll take for Payne to get a third year? I, don't, I have no idea. But if if Josh Hurd is more, I guess. He's less stringent than a, a large chunk of the fan base, including myself, is. And he's willing to say if they go like 15 and 18 this year, Kenny Payne gets a third year. I'd like to see a staff shakeup if that's the case. Like I, I'd like to see because because clearly it's not working at a high enough level for us to all feel confident that we're going to be like terrific in four years. So I, I'd like to see something change if he's going to be around for a year three after two disappointing seasons. Honestly, listening to Josh's comments, I don't remember in what setting it was, but I don't know if it was during uh, the football uh, media days. He had an appearance, and they asked him about basketball. The way I heard him talk, I mean, it sounds like he is really all in with with Kenny Payne. And mm -hmm. I know that the, the you know that the 
Um, AD is always going to be glowing in the way he talks about his coaches. But from what I heard from him that day, regardless of what anybody thinks or what anybody wants, he did not sound like a guy that was even close to remotely thinking about making a change at the head coaching position. So I will say that Josh did not sound like a guy that was like, okay, yeah, we need to definitely see something this year. That's not the way I heard it. Like he just said, you know, Kenny's doing a great job. I love what he's doing. It's wonderful. I love everything about what's going on. So, yeah, I'm not – I am really just trying to just – take this season in and just watch what happens. But I really have no idea if there's going to actually be, you know, smoke towards a change unless it's just, if it's another four win seasons, six wins, then I think his hand would be forced. But yeah, if it gets anywhere near 13, 14, 15 wins, I would not be shocked if they decide to bring him back. I think everyone latched on to Josh's comments about how 500 is not the standard here. And they're like, ooh, yes. he's saying he's got to be above five. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Like, I don't think any of this stuff is that cut and dry. I don't think you can name a number. I, I think it's going to be more nuanced. If, if they look, if they win 17 or 18 games, but they have a bunch of close losses, and it looks like they play a system that works, and, and you know we're, we, we start recruiting well in, in 2024 out of nowhere or 2025, like, then I think that's a little bit different than it still looks terrible. The ACC is a bad conference. Like, the ACC is not going to be a great conference this year, which is why it's depressing to see us pick 14th <laughs> out of 15 teams. But you know, if if it's if it feels like a fraudulent seventeen and sixteen, where I mean, our non conference schedule is bad. We should rack up a ton of wins, and we just we win games because the other teams are bad too. We don't really beat anybody of consequence. A bunch of blowout losses. I think that's different than the the first scenario, and I think I do think that all that stuff will come into play. But I mean, it's I don't know where Josh's head is. I'm like you when I hear him talk. He sounds like a guy who's fully bought into yes. the notion that this is going to be a slow rebuild and it's going to be it's going to take until year four to really figure out what we've got with Kenny Payne. I don't buy into that, but I'm not the one calling the shots. It feels like he's buying what Kenny's selling right now. So I mean, it just it feels like to me that going into this season, something is going to have to make Josh change his mind because to me, he seems like he's very much on the pro Kenny Payne, you know, yeah. bandwagon. So you know, we'll see. Texas, the other day I saw a giant Jack Skellington in front of a house on Lexington and Hubbard's. We saw it too. We, somebody messaged me on Instagram because they know my kids love Nightmare Before Christmas, and they're like, you need to check this out. And we were coming back on, on Lexington Road from, I don't even remember what we were doing, somewhere being t- like downtown, and saw it, like drove back around and saw it again. The kids were like, yeah, it's a huge Jack Skellington. It's like 14 feet tall. It's awesome. Oh, wow. It's very cool. That's awesome. Texas, please start reading every text by saying, great text, or that's a great text. <laughs> also, who are the names the fans should be watching if the season doesn't go well? Yeah, Kenny Payne's gone from very being very critical of the questions to being like, every question was a great question the last two days. Another great question. Great question. <laughs> I was like, damn, he's really, yeah, he's, he's loving these questions. Uh, but yeah, you are, these are all great texts. Uh, names that are out there, I mean, I mean, Jerome Tang has been out there a bunch by people, both national and local, that are hearing that there's some mutual interest there. I do think you have to wait and see what he does in his second year, and, and we don't need to play that game outside. We don't need to start looking at the muscleman and oats. Would Jay Wright come back? It's it's October twenty seventh. I'm not going to do it yet. I'm not. I'm not. I promise. We'll get there if the situation calls for it. But right now, we we don't have to. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line. We'll take some more texts coming up in hour number five. We'll also make our big picks for the weekend, and we'll look more closely at tomorrow's game. Big game against Duke. It's the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's coming up next with Sean Myers in studio here on 1450 The Big X.
you heard about me. Put a can't get a dollar out of me. No kind of like no perms you can't see. Then I'm a Five o'clock hour, Friday edition of Mike Rutherford Show. Here on 1450-961, the Big X. We got Rashawn Myers in studio. We got less than 24 hours to kick off against Duke. We got weather reports that are looking more and more optimistic that this thing's going to be a dry game. It's all happening right now. We got perfect fall weather. We got Halloween coming up. It's it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be a Cardinal fan. We Update on the, the forecast for tomorrow, like I mentioned. There's been periodic reports all week long about Showers during the day, showers during tailgate, maybe some sprinkling here and there during the, the actual game. It looks now more and more of the local forecasters, which, you know, take this for what it's worth. They can't, they're not going to be 100% accurate. But it's looking more and more like your tailgate should not be overly affected by any sort of rain tomorrow. It's going to be overcast. It might be a little dreary. But the rain, it looks like, is going to hold off, at least the heavy stuff, is going to hold off until night. It should be after the game. Don't hit, like, if you're, Worried about going out to Cardinal Stadium tomorrow, Ellen Stadium. You're going to be okay. What's Jay say? You know. <laughs> Jay says it's going to be fine. Jay says play. Jay says go out there and play. Jay says it's going to be a good day. Go out to get your tailgate on, enjoy the game, and then maybe some storms when you're on your way home, maybe some storms after you're already home, get a good night's sleep with the rain. It's going to be a perfect Saturday. We're all good. Let's have a nice crowd there, and let's will this Cardinal team to a very, very big victory over a 20th-ranked uh, Duke team. Like I mentioned, Rashawn Myers has been in the studio today. It's been great. We've been uh, we've breezed through the first two hours. We've got an hour left here for you. If you want to have your thoughts heard on the show, hit us up on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Coming up at 530, we'll have our Big X Big Bets of the weekend segment. Trevor and I will give you three bets that are guaranteed to hit, or maybe hit, unless something <laughs> terribly goes wrong. And then we'll make our picks for the, uh, the, the weekend. And then, of course, we'll look ahead to Louisville's game tomorrow against Duke and make some predictions there. Rashawn, if I, if I had to ask you, biggest reason for optimism going into this game as we see the spread currently drifting more and more towards Louisville Cards, six-point favorite over the Blue Devils, who've been very good this season, both teams with a lot to play for. What's your biggest cause for optimism going into this game tomorrow? Uh, probably the biggest uh, cause for optimism would be a bit of a tie. Um, I love the fact that Duke's run defense is not great. Um, so that Louisville run defense versus the Louisville rush offense um, regardless of whether Jawar Jordan is healthy or not, I just love Louisville's running back room, whether it be Isaac Garendo, uh, Maurice Turner, even what the little bit that we saw of Keywan Brown. Mm-hmm. I just really like the way Louisville's running the ball. It does suck to, to lose, um, you know, uh, Jam- uh, Jamai Brown. Uh, 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 Brown, I uh, can't think of his first name, uh, the, the, the uh, guard. Renato. Uh, Renato Brown. Thank you. I can't want to say Jamai Brown. <laughs> Renato Brown. Uh, it sucks to lose him. But I just love that matchup, um, especially with the way Louisville has run the ball and just the way the offense is played at home. I love that. And then just the fact that Riley Leonard, even if he's there with that hard-hitting Louisville defense, I just don't see Duke putting up a ton of points. So it's pretty much the same floor, uh, you know, situation as Notre Dame. If you can get up and find a way to get up early against a team that wants to control the ball and run it and have that low-scoring game, it just really helps you out. And I, I think Louisville's going to try to get off to a quick start. Look, we don't lose at home. Seventh yeah. longest home winning streak in the country. There it is. We don't, even with Satterfield, pretty good at home. We feel good. I think the crowd makes a difference. I agree with you on our run game versus their run defense. I don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball on us, even if Leonard plays. I trust Jeff Brom after a letdown loss to Pittsburgh with a full week to prepare for this game. He loves big games. I, I think we, you know, 
I think we pull out some stops. I think you see a little bit of trickeration. I think you see some some looks that we haven't shown so far. I think that they recognize the importance of this game. They want to keep alive their hopes of playing for a conference championship. They want to keep the fan base like fully galvanized and fully on board. I think they've prioritized this game. All of those reasons made me confident that they get the job done. I'll, I'll give the score prediction at the end of the show, but I'm feeling more and more good as, as the week goes on, which is not the case uh, two weeks ago against Pitt. Like, like The vibes were off all week, <laughs> and the longer they went on, the, the closer and closer we got to the game, the more I was like, I don't like this. I don't like any bit of it. I shouldn't be scared. They're not a good team. And I think we all kind of felt the same way. But I, I feel like we're we're back to being positive. Once they said Renato Brown like hurt himself in the warm-ups, it's yeah. like, oh, God, here we go. Well, the Jawar Jordan, at least for me, I don't know if you'd call it. No. I, I, I'd heard about the Jamari Thrash thing. Yes. I had not heard about Jawar. And so when they're like right before kickoff, they're like, I don't think he's going to play. I was like, well, this is, <laughs> this is not good. I'm already panicking about this game, and now I'm just like freaking out completely about it. And then we go down there and we score in five seconds after a three and out. And I'm like, I don't know what I was worried about. This is going to be easy. And uh, it was not, unfortunately. But I, I, I feel better about this week. I think we get the job done. Let's make sure it happens. Make sure you get out there and help out, too. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Stocks line. Because we'll, we'll, yeah, we have the pick em segment coming up, we'll take as many texts as we can here. The, the guy who always texts this in, he's now texted it in. How many drinks do tomorrow do I have for the game? Definitely less than Notre Dame is the answer. <laughs> it's a big game. You want to make sure that you're fully focused. You have less time to tailgate than you did before Notre Dame. 3.30 kickoff. I think, I feel like six drinks is the appropriate answer, depending on when you get. If, if you get out there before noon or around noon, six drinks is the way to go. Six, if you drink, if it's six drinks, I hope you're drinking beer. <laughs> six, six beers. <laughs> Mixing a water. I mean, I'm I'm a crown I'm a crown and coke guy. So <laughs> if I had six crown and cokes, I'm gonna be sleep. <laughs> that that would be tough. Mix in several waters if that's the case, yeah. or spread it out over time. If if you, you could have six crown and cokes from like noon till the end of the game, yes. If you can get them in the stadium, but before <laughs> the game, six crown. You're averaging two per hour. That, that's gonna take you down. <laughs> You're gonna be on Trevor Kelsey's level. That would be, yeah, we, that would be tough, we, we, and especially because we're hosting tailgate, so we're gonna we're gonna be Ooh. over there, uh, uh, behind the El Nepal, you know, doing a tailgate. So definitely can't do six chronic hoax and try to be on the air. This is not a good idea. <laughs> Texas says balloon glow is also what Trevor does after work, maybe sometimes during work. <laughs> Texas says uh, when I lived in Louisville in the early '80s, I was about 10 years old, and I would get Louisville I would get Louisville basketball cards given to me by police officers, guys like Milt Wagner, Lancaster Gordon, Billy Thompson, and I loved them. Did you guys collect them too, or did they phase out before you grew up? I remember those in the '90s. Yeah, the old Louisville's finest. I believe exactly. Is what they, yeah, they had on them. Yes, I classic. would get those. I remember going into. Do you? I don't know if you ever were familiar with the. The Zone was the card collecting store. It had like comic books and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would go there to buy sports cards when I was a kid. And I vividly remember before, I guess this would have had to have been before the 93 94 season. And they had like the, the special Louisville cards out there. And I was like, ooh, I was like, I've heard of DeWan Wheat. He's, he's going to be a freshman. And my dad was like, Jason Osborne's the one you want to get. He's the McDonald's All American. He's going to be the superstar. <laughs> and I went with Jason Osborne. And very quickly, I, I hated my dad for it. Like the, the season started. <laughs> And Wheat was so much better than Osborne. I was like, I wanted the Wheat card. What are you <laughs> trying to talk me into this? My dad's a male basketball guy, a male basketball alum too. So he was like all about uh, Jason Osborne. Yes. I was like, this guy sucks. Give me, <laughs> give me DeJuan Wheat. He didn't suck. He just wasn't as good as DeJuan. Texter says, uh, the line has gone from four to six and a half today. It seems like Vegas knows that Leonard isn't playing. That's the, I mean, that was my takeaway. 
to see it jump from four and a half or four to six, and now it's according to the tech at six and a half, it does seem like they know something that the rest of us don't. Either that Leonard's is hurt or that he's going to play, but he's not going to be himself. And I'm good with all those. That's Absolutely. Texture says, uh, look, when we are good, the fans are good here, but when we are average, our fans don't show up. This is a huge game for fan attendance going forward. Fan, and this is not specific to, to Louisville, but talk about what the fans should and should not do is going to happen across every program in America. Like, like, you know, they're disgruntled fans about the way that Georgia fans are fanning. Like, you, you should be there for all four quarters, even in like a 75 nothing victory. Our fan base has been a little bit high maintenance over the years. I don't think that's going to change just overnight, especially in this day and age where attendance is dwindling across the country, even at the historically great programs. Like, in order to have a fan base that's going to show up an hour before kickoff and stay until the final whistle every single week, you need generations of this is what we do. We've been successful for 100 years. And Louisville doesn't have that. I mean, I was going to games off of free Kroger tickets at Cardinal Stadium with 12,000 other people <laughs> when I was a kid. It's just like I, I don't have that in my DNA, and a lot of other people are like me as well. So while I would love for the crowd to be like it was against Notre Dame every single week, I do think the crowd will be good tomorrow. I don't think it will be on par with what we saw against Notre Dame. And that's just, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's not going to get fixed anytime soon. That's all I can say. But we'll be good. We'll be fine. Agreed. The, the fans that – here's what I will say. The fans that are there are going to be loud as hell. We saw that during, like, like last year's basketball season a lot, too. Um, you know, the the oh, yeah, fans that absolutely. were showing up were great. I was shocked. Actually, I, you know, actually, I was shocked at the amount and how loud folks were and yeah. just how they stayed behind them. I was shocked. But it's a pro sports town, man. You're just not going to get that uh, here. I mean, Louisville Athletics, they're college teams. But these are pro – you know, it's a big city. There's a lot to do. People aren't, you know, going and, and getting in there an hour early and staying. It's just not the DNA and makeup of a big city team. Most, you know, as you, I, heard, I was listening to your show yesterday, and you told schools it's like one of those things where there's nothing to do in Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah. So that's literally all you're going to do. There's nothing to nothing to do in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, there's nothing to do, in, you know, in, in a, most of these cities where these big schools are. So that's why folks are going there because that's why they're there. It's all about the game. Absolutely. And here, you know, you got this other stuff going on. But, I mean, I, I think the, the crowd will be fine. We're going to be okay. Texas says, was Haley mad with, that she wasn't loved like Shoni Schimmel? <laughs> I mean, Haley, you have to remember, like, last year was the first year where, like, Haley was the star. You know, it, it, was, it was Dana Evans before. She, she, was, she, she was never the number one option before last season. And while she was good, she wasn't the All-American type player that we thought she was going to be. Like, she, it was a little bit of a step down. And last year, even though we got, we got it together and made a nice run to the Elite Eight, it was the, overall it was the worst season of the, of the three that she's been a part of. So I, I think that if, if she'd had a monster senior season where we ended up going to the Final Four or you know, won a national title, then she would have been celebrated as much as, as Angel and Shoney and Dana and, and Asia and, and all these other players that have been great here. But I, I think we were all just kind of waiting for that. She, she hadn't had that moment in the spotlight where she'd been the star of a really elite Louisville team like some of these other players. Have. Yeah, Emily Inksler kind of took a lot yeah. of the pressure off of her the, the year prior. For sure. Um, but last year was definitely all about her. And I just think the pressure for her to not win a championship just became too much because I think her and her family, you know, they, they feel like she was ordained to, to win a championship. So she was going to do whatever she needed to do and even play for Muffet McGraw, which is 
Yeah. Right, I, I hate it so much. Whatever, whatever that. I mean, I'm like, Cruella Deville down there at LSU. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like you, you can call me a hater. I'm actively rooting against LSU this year. Yeah, like, I, I, I would. I've actively. Root, I, I was rooting against them last year. I I don't like Muffin McGraw. It's not Muffin McGraw. It's the other lady. I mean, yeah, Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey. Thank I, you. I don't. Well, I don't like Muffin McGraw either. But yeah, she's not coaching no. anymore. But <laughs> Thankfully, we got rid of her. But Kim Mulkey is terrible. She's the worst. I, I I would root against LSU even if they had no former Louisville players. But now that she's there, and I don't like the way it all went down, I just, I, again, call me petty, call me whatever. I don't want, I will celebrate if they don't win the national title this year. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yes. Texas says, I'm very glad that we have spirit children and not moon children. Spirit children dance and play with unified glee and love. Moon children fear the stars, pay homage to the dark, and are ruled by the lunar gods, including that dastardly rascal, Khonsu, the little minx. I don't even know what any of these words are. <laughs> this is something that I have no frame of reference for, and I feel uncomfortable saying these words because i somebody may just be having fun with me but i don't i don't get it but good I'm, yes i'm glad we don't have moon children apparently there we go wow texture says similar to liam neeson and taken i'm going to stop at nothing until i smack down trevor and return him to work i'll be armed with several giant salads and cold chicken <laughs> so mean Texas Master of Puppets, a good song. Further proof that Trevor isn't here today. The KRC boys were right to fire him from choosing music. <laughs> Actually, Trevor put together everything that, that we played. He asked if I if I, I wanted to, you know, get the layout or if he wanted to do it. I said, you know what? I want to have a Trevor Kelsey playlist. So he actually picked all these. Well, things. this is Friday. He, he does. He typically does like pump up music for the pregame show on Friday. So ah, he'll, he'll have he'll we'll have we ready next segment. That's our our thing for Fridays before game days. Wow. So yeah, it's better because these aren't songs that he necessarily likes. He just recognizes them as like pump up songs. Because when he actually likes the songs, they're typically terrible. That's <laughs> that's what he does. Texas says is is Rashawn aware that Scoots didn't know that blackface was offensive until a couple days? Oh, I heard. It was a bad moment for Scoots. <laughs> <laughs> it left me in a very awkward spot. <laughs> you did you did a good job, Mike. Uh, that, that was just one of those where, I mean, but you know what? There's there's nothing wrong. You got to, sometimes you just got to educate folks. They don't necessarily know and understand. It was definitely a wow moment, but, you know, he's like, why is that a bad thing? It's like. He kept talking about the costume, and I was like, I was like, please just stop. I was like, don't say what I think you're going to say as far as, and he didn't. And then it came up later on the text line was like, did Scoots dress in black? And he was like, what's blackface? And I was like, this is what I wanted to avoid. This, is, this was like, when, you, when you said what your costume was that you were so proud of, the uh, Hydro Wives, Hydro Children meme sensation from 2010, I immediately was like, oh, God, no. Yeah, that's why I'm not. Don't, I was like, don't, don't do this. Not on, not on a Wednesday. Don't, don't do this to me. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Texas, does Nolan Smith wear a Duke or Louisville sweatshirt to the game tomorrow? Oh, gosh. Louisville. He's going to have Nikes on. Guaranteed. There are multiple reports of him wearing Adidas stuff recently. Really? Yes. Oh, nice. Texas says, KP's quote, a lot of NBA people are saying we look like a different team comment. Feels like the, I quote, I have a really hot girlfriend, but you wouldn't know her because she goes to another <laughs> school moving grade school. I mean, look, we we all we all thought about it a little bit. Like it's it sounds like, yeah, the the, the quote about like I think you're gonna have the most conditioned team. I, you know, I'm waiting for him to be like. And they also said like I love that pullover that you always wear. You know, just like, I'm like, did, did they really? Is this what actually happened? Texas says, okay, for real. When can we start talking about the new coaching? So we're not doing it now. We're not we're not doing it before they've played a game. I, I will I'll say this. If we start the season with losses to UMBC and Chattanooga. I am good to go as far as, like, we bring up who's the next coach. That's, that's a promise to you guys. I don't think it's going to – if we lose a cop in state, okay, we can, we can do it then. 
these first three, if you thought last year's first three games are bad, these three teams are worse than 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 Wright State, App State, and Belmont. Mike, I'm gonna warn you, Chattanooga is not horrible. They're not good. They're not good, but they're not ter- like I. That's been the one game of the first three that it like. I'm like, mm. <laughs> they're the best out of those three. UMBC doesn't doesn't bring back much from a team that was not good in the America East last year. Yes. Compensated is, is abysmal. Chattanooga, I mean, they they did Dan Earl. I think is a good coach. They went to the NCAA tournament and should have beaten Illinois two years ago um, with Lamont Paris, who now is at uh, where, where did he end up going? Um, he's the head coach at um, South Carolina. Okay. They so they had, they kind of were rebuilding last year. They weren't great, but they weren't terrible. Yeah. They end up they made a, a run to the conference tournament championship game. For whatever reason, that game is just not sitting well on my spirit. Well, like, they, that's the one. <laughs> you're, not, you're not you're not a great spirit child. For yeah, I'm not. No, my spirit child is a, is a little annoyed and afraid by. Well, it's a, it's a program with, that has like a history of success. They have a good program DNA. If you're going to be, it's a Friday night. Maybe we're a little bit sleepy. Who knows what's going on? If you're concerned about one of the first three games, I agree with you. Like that's that's the one. But if, also, if we're worried about Chattanooga in in game two, then I don't have a whole lot of hope for us like winning 25 games or something. Maybe they should have brought the mental health people for Chattanooga instead of Kyle. We're already talking ourselves into it. <laughs> Texter says uh, you have to. Texter says I think deep down our uh, Texter says you have to think back. Channel traction will play a factor too. Like I did with football, if big names are showing serious interest, you have to think that margin error of error gets worse for pain. We're not talking about coaching search, guy. I don't. I, I can't say it enough. We're not doing this. Texter says, uh, "Is Riley Leonard out for tomorrow? The line has moved to six and a half. That seems to be. I mean, there's a little bit of buzz. I don't know. I mean, all of the Duke, they're kind of like fan media. They all said with their predictions, we think he's going to play. We think he's going to be limited, but we think he's going to play." The only actual score prediction I saw from anybody, Devil's Den, is the the twenty four seven sports site for for Duke, and here's what they had to say in their prediction post: Looking at both teams' numbers on the year, neither com- not, neither neither commit many penalties at all. Duke is second in the ACC at just five point oh per game, while Louisville's a little behind them, committing six point four per game. Turnovers are another place where game changing mistakes can occur, but these teams are similarly well coached in this area. Both teams have an average turnover margin per game at .43. The Cardinals have coughed it up a little bit more than the Blue Devils, 11-7. to There's reason to believe that these two teams are still in the hunt for the ACC race this late in the season. They're both very well coached. They play sound and complimentary football and stay on schedule offensively. Everything is pointing to this being a close game going into the fourth quarter. Based on everything that I've heard, Leonard will at least give it a go at quarterback this weekend. If he's healthy to go the entire game, I think that will be enough for the Blue Devils to get the win. But it won't be easy. This should be a one-score game, but I'll give Mike Elko's group the edge as long as Leonard is under center. If not, switch switch these score numbers in favor of the Cardinals. Duke wins seventeen to thirteen. I think we're scoring more than thirteen points. There's no chance in hell they're holding Louisville to thirteen points at home. I'm just gonna put that out there. I don't care whether Leonard plays or not. That's not happening. Have you guys heard of Home Jack Plummer? Because <laughs> he ain't Road Jack Plummer. Home Jack Plummer gets the job done. Home Jack Plummer throws the ball away when there's nothing there on a second and 10 screen pass. Home Jack Plummer sees the rush coming and then doesn't just forget that it's coming and not throw the ball away. Home Jack Plummer is a game manager who can effectively throw downfield and who makes the right decision. Home Jack Plummer ain't leading an offense to 13 points against anybody. And just FYI, I just want to let y'all know that I am definitely not on the let Jack Plummer just play through anything because we're 6-1. and one. I think that's the biggest cop out in the world, and I feel like Louisville would have probably still been had the same record or better if you got better quarterback play. I don't believe in a guy just not making a change at the top because 
you know, they're still winning. Sometimes you win in spite of, and there was at least three games where Louisville won in spite of the quarterback position, just my personal opinion. I agree with everything that you said. I don't think we have a better quarterback on the roster. I have no idea what we have on the roster just because no one's played. I mean, because it's one of those things where I understood that, you know, Plummer came in with the experience and uh-huh. came in with understanding the playbook and all those types of things, which gave him the leg up. But, you know, it's it's week, what, seven or eight now. At this point, I would hope everybody understands and knows the playbook. So, you know, it's one of those things where that experience definitely gave him the leg up coming in. I would have just liked to at least gotten some other guys some snaps because at the end of the day, if he does go down or if he's um, struggling, you know, you're, you're going to have to put somebody else in cold turkey who pretty much has no experience. Well, I mean, I think they'll go to Doman, which yeah. would be second, who, yeah. who's an experienced guy. I mean, I mean, but I also think, like, we know what we have with Brock Doman and Evan Conley. Yeah. I think you'd, you'd agree with this. We know that they're not better than Jack Plummer. True. Then it becomes the mystery of Harrison Bailey, Pierce Clarkson, and Brady Allen. Can one of those guys be a serviceable backup? All I heard during fall camp was they really liked Harrison Bailey because of his arm strength. They felt like they could mold him into something kind of the way they did with Aiden O'Connell at Purdue. Right. I think that Brady Allen really, really struggled, and I think that everybody who went to practice saw that. We could just run the wild kindly the whole game. God. <laughs> I will say – if we're in a third and one situation and he runs out Evan Conley again and he uses it for a trick play, it won't have been worth it to, to have those before, but I'll respect it a lot more. If, if, if like they sell out to stop the run and Conley throws a little dink pass for a 40-yard touchdown. The wild Conley versus Notre Dame almost drove me insane. The second one, I, I was in a low place when they did it the second time. Because <laughs> they bring him out, I'm like, surely to God we're not doing the same thing that they just did. On third and short, when we, we'd been moving the ball so well, and the game was still very much in doubt at that point. And then we did, and it just it didn't go anywhere. I was like, okay, Jeff, I love you, but let's never see that again, please. Let's not let that happen. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Texas says the corner of Lexington and Hubbard's doesn't exist. Lexington and uh, Shelbyville, I believe, is what the what they were referencing there, with the, the big Jack Skellington. Uh. Yes. Texas, Josh Hurd has to be bought in publicly. If he was giving an unconfident disposition in KP, then the fans in public wouldn't buy in. He needs to give the perception that he does believe in KP until it's clear that we're moving in a different direction. I, mean, I think that's true. You, you know, you can't do the whole thing where it's like, although some ADs will do it after a point in time where they're like, we've had a conversation. He knows what he needs to do this year. And that's, that's the message to the fan base. that like, if we don't win at a high level this year, this guy's gone. But I don't think you can do that after year one. But some of the things that he said. Yeah, he sounds very excited. (laughs) Like the specifics have led me to believe that maybe he's got more of a, he's got a longer leash with this this staff than maybe the fan base would like. I I could be wrong. Could totally be wrong. But that's, I'm I'm like you. I just kind of think that it's like, it's not a, a deal where he's like, if they win 15 games this year, he's definitely gone. But maybe it is, who knows. Texas with a two-hour tailgate. I think I can get six high noons in before kickoff and then six more at the game. It's my birthday. Leave me alone, Mike. <laughs> it's a lot of drinking, but I respect it. There was, a, I mean, I don't know if you're like me. Like, like now, I, I, well, first of all, I don't drink hardly at all with being sick and stuff. But even before then, like, like after, in my 30s, I looked at some of the, the amounts of alcohol that I drank in my 20s and was just kind of like, how? Like like the shots and like the you know the amounts that I would drink on game days. I was like, I don't know how like I, I don't know how I lived through that. <laughs> no, I I've never been that. I have very strict limits. I am three and I'd done. I love you. I, I am three and done. 
Like, regard, you know, I pretty much only will do any of that, you know, when I'm out and about socially. But I'm three drinks and done regardless of when, where, how. If I start early in the day, I'm doing three, and then I'm done. That's it. I always have been that way. Props <laughs> to you for knowing your limit way before I like I learned. I was, I was like 29 <laughs> before I was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do a million yeah. shots and turn yourself into an animal that does terrible things. <laughs> Texture says, today is the day that Mike summons a demon from a text message. Who knew? I don't know what I did by reading that text. I don't want to know what I just unearthed. What what just got unleashed into the world based on those words that I didn't understand at all? Texas, I don't think that Kenny got any phone calls. If people wanted to play with Sky, then they would be here. That was the weirdest part about that that comment was that he got hundreds of calls from people that were saying either they were happy that Sky Clark was there or that they wanted to play with Sky Clark. And I was like, well, can we get some of them to come in and play with Sky Clark? Because of, you know, we could if these are great players, we could use some of them. Davion like, McKnight wanted to play with Sky. He did. <laughs> he, he did. That was the word. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if we've if we got all these guards out here in 2024 and 25 that are excited to play with Sky Clark, look, I mean, we don't have to turn them down. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, dismiss their call. Let's, <laughs> let's bring them in. Texture says, uh, Haley's dad was a complete ass bag. I'm most glad that he's gone. That was always the word. I don't, I mean, I think now it's becoming a little bit more common knowledge, but, yeah. Texas says, uh, shared on the third banner podcast was Duke is the second in the country in red zone defense, and Louisville is fourth in the country in red zone, de- in, in red zone defense. <clears throat> Whoever's offense gets points in the red zone wins this game. Get all the points you can, including field goals. The game is going to be tight. And get Brock's first kiss kick uh, a miss out of the way early in this game. <laughs> he seems to always miss his first attempt of the night, and then it's golden after that. He does, doesn't he? Unfortunately. I agree, though, like, Jeff Brom said they were focused on improving two areas during the bye week. Red zone offense, we've been pretty bad in the red zone recently, and then turnovers. And those two kind of go hand in hand because we've had a lot of turnovers. I was going to say a lot of turnovers in the red zone. (laughs) But I think this is also going to be a game where I know the fans want dynamic, super aggressive Jeff Brom, but this is going to be a game where a good punt and a good flip of field position is not the worst thing in the world because I don't think that they can drive the ball – 85 yards on us. I think I hope that we will do in this game what we should have done in the pit game. I don't. I, I, we just didn't respect Pitt as an opponent because we saw the way that we dominated them for the first quarter and a half of that game, and then when they started actually putting together drives and, and Christian Bayer got a little bit of confidence, we didn't have an answer for it. But like if we're if we're in the same spot that we were to start the second half against Pitt, and it's fourth and one, and we're like, like Jeff Brom's going to punt in this game because I think he has to trust the defense. They've been so good this year. And I think the Texas right. Like, get points in the red zone. Even if it's just a field goal, this is going to be a, a game where I think it's like you know, kind of in the 20s, maybe the early 30s. It could be a game that's like the NC State game that's in the teens. But get the points where you can because both teams have good red zone defenses. I agree. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Just don't beat yourself. If you don't beat yourself, you don't turn it over. Hit your field goals and punt the ball away on fourth down. If you do that, you For should sure. win the game. For sure. Texas Mike, what's up with TJ Capers? Uh, I think it's still like, – like, I don't think we're going to see TJ, TJ Capers this year. I think that he he had a lingering injury that they knew about when they signed up. I think basically his family thinks that he's going to be so dominant and hope that he is, that like he's going to be an NBA, an NFL guy after three years. And so they wanted the process to get started as early as possible, even if it meant that he was going to basically have a, a redshirt year where he never saw the field as a freshman. So I think that... You know, it, the the rule is three years removed from from college. It's not from high school. It's not he's a junior or whatever. So if he comes, you know, he'll be a redshirt freshman next season. If he's healthy, 
plays well, and then kills it as a redshirt sophomore two years from now, he'll be good to go to the NFL draft right after that. I think they just wanted to get the process going uh, with him getting as close to the NFL as possible. And if he's not, then then cool. He still had some some time here. But and, and I think honestly, Mike, I think that with with TJ and several of these freshmen, I think you might start to see them at least get some snaps in the last two two or three games, just because most of these guys have only been played in the. Uh, in the Murray game earlier. Uh-huh. So most of these guys have three or four games where they can still play and reserve their red shirt. So if TJ, he hasn't played at all. So if he's healthy enough to play, there's a very good chance I would not be surprised if you see him in one of those last four games. I definitely don't think you'd see him today, uh, or excuse me, um, Saturday against Duke. But there would be a chance in those last four games, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, or Kentucky, where if he's healthy enough and he's shown something, if he's been able to get out there and practice, you could see him and several of these other guys, Keywan Brown included. I've, I mean, I think there's some talent there that could help with depth, but, you know, you definitely want to reserve those red shirts, uh, you know. So, you know, if you see them, it'll be in the last probably two to three games. For sure. Uh, my issue with Capers, I don't think he's healthy enough to play. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think we're going to see him because I don't think that he's like he. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about him practicing or anything. He hasn't been, and I, like, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I think this is just sort of a get stronger in the weight room, get healthy, figure out what college football's about, and have this year of eligibility under your belt situation. But hopefully, hopefully that uh, you know he, he is healthy and that we could use him in like those one of those last few games. Absolutely, Texas. I think that KP needs to show up to Josh's game day morning run to get a three year year three automatically. <laughs> Texture says, I just listened to the CC podcast. You would really take $500,000 over lunch with Jay-Z. Yes, no question. I mean. Oh, absolutely. I like Jay-Z, but I like $500,000 a lot more. Like, unless the lunch with Jay-Z could, like, lead me to a job where I'm going to make $500,000 a year, uh, I'm taking the 500 k I don't think it's a, that's even a, a tough choice. No, no, I, I'm with you 1,000%. It's not a Jay-Z thing. I, I don't think there's anybody out there that I would have lunch with over $500,000 that exists. No. No. Come on. Texture says, amen to everything said about Kenny Payne. Seems like a nice guy, but it's bewildering how he can be involved with coaching for so long and not be self-aware enough to realize that none of his question responses do anything to show that he's corrected last year's mistakes besides get new guys. There's just so many more aspects involved that could be broken down. It's... I mean, I think we all want to feel like like we're all – I don't want to say we're all because I, I do think there's some people out there that, that probably are like, hey, tell with this guy. I hope he loses. But for the most part, I know you agree with this. Like, despite having serious concerns about the direction of the program, we want this to work. Like, we want Louisville to win basketball games regardless of who the coach is. Yes. I've been – I mean, like, I think we're all looking for something to point to and feel comforted. The recruiting class was nice. It was great to see him get a top ten recruiting class. Um, and it's number six now with, with flowers gone, but still a, g- a good recruiting class under the circumstances. But when he doesn't give us, like, when he, he can't eloquently lay out what his vision is or what's gone wrong or, or, or like it just, it's not comforting to hear these same generalities being tossed week after week after week, game after game after game. And that at least so far has not changed yet. And I definitely don't want to spend 24 to 26 games sitting in that arena watching what I watched last year. Like, it almost took me to the end of my sanity. So, yes, I definitely want Louisville to do well. I want them to win. I want them to be successful because I definitely don't want to do what I did last year. I think none of us want to do what we did last year. <laughs> it took me to a dark place. Like, there are only so many self-deprecating jokes I could get before I was like, all right, my soul's been demolished. <laughs> I can't make fun of this anymore. It's just like I'm, I'm dying inside. Texas, I heard the ACC is going to release the 2024 football schedule model release next week. 
fingers crossed that adding these new teams doesn't mean we won't get as much use of the Schnellenberger Trophy with Miami. Yeah, I think that that's, I think it's what, next Tuesday they're going to announce the, the schedule for next season and how they're going to do this with the additions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU. I mean, very curious to see if we get like sent out to, to play it in Berkeley, uh, what's going to happen there. And yeah, we had just, you know, we had the new established, the, the consistent opponents of Georgia Tech, Miami, and Virginia, which playing Miami every year and having a traveling trophy was kind of a cool thing. Now we have no idea if that's going to continue, but I guess we'll find out pretty soon. I don't know. Texture says, uh, no one comes into the bourbon vault, LNN Cardinal Stadium, and pushes us around. <laughs> I like that name. The cred, the fed, I like them all. A lot of people are asking if Trevor knows what blackface is or knows that it's offensive. I'm not. I don't want to know. I was no, gl- yeah, please don't ask. Him. I was glad that Trevor wasn't here for it. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm glad that he's not here right now. Uh, we've got to go to break on that note. We're, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to pick some games for this weekend. We'll give you our big bets of the weekend. And then we'll end it with our final thoughts on Louisville Duke. It's the Mike Rutherford Show Friday edition here on 1450 You know it's Friday, if we're playing Archie at 5.30, the last segment. We're ready for tomorrow. Cards taken on Duke, 3.30 kickoff. Cards now six and a half point favorites. The line has jumped by a full two and a half points. Louisville, six and one, ranked number 18 in the country. Duke, five and two, ranked number 20 in the country. Both teams, just one loss in conference play. Looking to make a march towards Charlotte to play in the conference championship game. A win on Saturday for either would go a long way towards achieving that goal. More evidence that the vibes are right for tomorrow. First of all, the U of L women's soccer team, which had a bit of a rough season, they played their last game last night. They upset number twenty-five Duke, one nothing. Went nice. on a high note. Nice. Go nice. Cards. Also, just across the wire today, the U of L field hockey team, which is number twelve in the country, had been struggling a little bit, had lost four straight, just pulled off a double OT thriller victory over number thirteen Boston College. I think we're good. Vibes are right. We're feeling good. We got the Charlie Strong Joker Phillips picture back here. Rashawn's been great today. It's all happening. Big thanks to Rashawn Myers spending some time with us here on a Friday. Uh, Rashawn, have you been have you been partaking at all in the gambling since sports gambling became legalized in Kentucky last month? I have not. I feel like I would be like the you know the the, the fat kid opening the potato chips. <laughs> so like once I eat one, I'm just gonna gorge myself on them. So I have not downloaded an app. I have not partaken at all. I, because I love sports too much, Mike, and this is the thing. I watch too many games, I, you know, all sports. If I got in there and I went down that rabbit hole and, you know, real-time betting and in-game parlays and all this stuff, I would probably end up just blacked out. I, I wouldn't even show up for my, <laughs> my my show on Saturday morning. I'd be, you know, staring at my app somewhere. So I respect it. I've always, <laughs> I've always kind of been the same way because I, I, I gamble on horses, but I never did sports betting at all. I did open the app. I created an account like in, in April because we were going up to a golf tournament, the Memorial in Columbus with friends. Yes. And like they were all going to bet like hole by hole as you're like watching the players in front of you. And I was like, I, I kind of want to do that. So, you know, they have all those like free money apps. You know, 
like two hundred dollars in free bets. So I did that while I was up there, made some money, took my money out, left. I had to leave like thirty dollars in because it was too much of a withdrawal. And so I still had thirty dollars left when gambling became legal in Kentucky. And this is how they hook you. They have all those like free bets basically, where it's like bet fifty dollars if the Lions score one point and you win fifty dollars. So I made like $150 that way, and then I've been doing well. But now I'm getting worried that I was getting a little too much into it. So I've kept things pretty surface level. I had a rough weekend in the NFL. I did bounce back last night because I was like, at the end of yesterday's show, I saw that Syracuse was a only a three-and-a-half-point underdog versus Virginia Tech. And I was like, this seems like a dummy line. This, this seems too good to be true. I'm all in on Tech. I'm hammering them. So I bet them, and then I went ahead and just I was like, let's make an easy bet. I took Virginia Tech money line and parlayed it with the Bills money line. So I made money last night. So I'm nice, feeling good nice. going into this week. And we have, even if we don't, like, you know, I'm not the, still not the biggest gambler in the world. Trevor definitely is. But we've started our own segment because gambling has become such a big deal here locally. The Big X, Big Bets of the weekend. And they've done very well so far, at least, uh, you know, speaking for myself. Trevor, Trevor's all or nothing. We've done this for four weeks. The first week, you know, we give three picks. The first week, he went 0-3. The second week he went three and zero, the third week he went three and zero, and then last week not only did he go zero and three, could not have come like could not have picked three worse bets. We're not remotely close. He had the Lions beating the Ravens straight up; they lost by a billion. Everything that he picked was terrible. I had my worst week. I still went one one and one. So for the season, so far, Trevor six and six. I am eight or nine two and one. So nice. we still given some. I had two perfect weeks in a row. They're ruined by last week. So we've still given away some pretty good picks. Uh, I have focused on college. Trevor focuses on the NFL. Here are my three big, big X, big bets of the weekend. NC State's offense sucks. That's the way that I'll start this. <laughs> they suck. They've not scored a lot of points against virtually anybody. Clemson, for all their faults this year, still has a very, very good defense. The analytics back that up. They've been screwed a little bit because their offense has turned the ball over deep in their territory. But I think that the NC State over-under point total, the individual over-under point total of 16.5 is too high. I don't think they score more than two touchdowns against Clemson. I think it's like it's very much a Clemson like 24-13 type win. So my first big X big bet, NC State under 16 and a half points. I also like, I think Florida is is a little bit of a fraud. They they're not that well respected anymore, but only being a two touchdown underdog against Georgia. I I get the Kentucky vibes. I took Georgia to cover the 13 and a half against Kentucky and they smacked UK 51-13. I feel like this is another game a chance for them to flex show that they are the best team in the country, despite Michigan getting all this love. I think Georgia covers the 14-point the spread and does so pretty easily. And then I don't get this line at all. Tulane, ranked number 24 in the country. They're trying to fight for that New Year's Six Bowl bid that goes to the uh, the best group of five team. You know, James Madison's not going to get it because they're ineligible. So Tulane needs some style points. They're playing a Rice team that just lost to UConn last week. They're a 10.5-point road favorite. I think Tulane covers the 10.5, and and I think, like Georgia, I think they do so pretty easily. I think you can double that line, and it would probably be more accurate. Your bonus pick, I gave you the bonus pick of Minnesota straight up over Iowa last week. I think Arizona State is your upset special. I'm not going to tell you to pick a money line, but I think they absolutely covered the six-point spread against Washington State. Arizona State has been better than their record would indicate. They've got a bunch of close losses. They score a lot of points. I think plus six is, is too much there. Trevor's picks. He sticks with the NFL this week, which is good. He, he needs to bounce back. He likes the Dolphins, minus 9.5 points. He likes the Bengals as a four-point underdog. And he likes the Colts as a one-and-a-half point. I don't like that at all, Trevor. I'm sorry. He likes the Colts as a, a one-and-a-half point underdog. His bonus pick is 
uh, L.A. covering the eight and a half points that they're getting or that they're giving. So there you go. I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. We'll get all the picks out there. Well, you can follow us if you want. You can fade us if you want because we had a rough week last week. But <laughs> we're going to bounce back in a big way. This week, though, we are back with our pick segment. Trevor sent his picks in. We're going to let Rashawn pick. It's the the Card Chronicle Pick'em Contest, or the, the Mike Rutherford Show Pick'em Contest, I should say. And I have I've stormed back after trailing Trevor for most of the year. I beat him by a full four games last uh, two weeks ago. I beat him by a full three games last week, and I now have a commanding five game advantage over Trevor Kelsey in our Pick'em Contest. We start this week as we always do with our high school game of the week. It's the oldest rivalry in high school football. It's male. It's manual. They're going at it for the I don't know like 287th time or whatever it is. They they play a lot. They're both very good. They both have aspirations of winning a 6A state championship this uh, this year. Male versus manual. Rashawn Myers, who do you like here? You know what? Uh, I was out last night doing some karaoke, and the manual folks were in the building uh, down right. at 21st in Germantown. So they were talking big smack, and they said they're going to have a big party after manual gets it done. So even though my dad graduated from male high school, I'm going to say the manual Crimsons get it done. Trevor likes mail. This is a tough one. I mean, manual, they – 6A is weird this year. You've got – Trinity's been a lot better since they, they started the, the freshman quarterback, Zane Johnson, uh, but they have a loss to Frederick Douglass, who's ranked, I think, number three right behind Trinity and Mayo. Manuel beat St. X. St. X looked really good for a period of time. Um, Mayo looked rough early on. Now they're hitting their stride. I think this is going to be a great game tonight. I think it's going to be very close. I hate to do this to the, the Ryan family if they're listening, but I'm going with the Mayo Bulldogs. I think they're the best team in 6A, and they show why tonight as they get ready for the, the state playoffs. Uh, we've got in college football tomorrow. We have to we do the local teams. This this is going to be the this is the layup pick of the week because we do the local <laughs> games. Indiana is on the road taking on Penn State at noon on CBS. Indiana's played a bunch of games on that. They, they were the first S, uh, CBS three thirty game for the Big Ten. They played on Big Noon Saturday against Michigan. I don't know how they keep getting these these really attractive time slots, but they are playing on CBS at noon. They are a thirty two point road underdog against Penn State. Any chance that the Hoosiers pull a shocker against the Nittany Lions tomorrow? Rashawn Myers, what say you? Um, no. No, no. No, not even close. I'm, I, I, I get that when we beat them that Indiana wasn't the best team in the world. I'm shocked they haven't been at least more competitive than they have been because that defense looked pretty good against us, and they looked pretty I good agree. against Ohio State in the season opener. I thought you know they would win a couple of league games. Instead, like you know, they barely beat Akron. And they've been blown out by Maryland, Michigan, and Rutgers in the last three weeks. And, yeah. and that's not, you know, they're not looking good. Trevor also picked Penn State, in case you're wondering. Yeah, just, just in case. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Uh, 3.30 on CBS. It is the SEC Game of the Week on that network. As mentioned before, in Jacksonville, Florida, they can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But it is. We all know what it is. Number one, Georgia, putting its 24-game winning streak on the line against Florida. Florida 5-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in the SEC, but not nationally ranked. Georgia's a 14-point favorite. Uh, Trevor likes Georgia. Rashawn, who do you like here? Yeah, give me the dogs. I, I'm just not a believer in anything that Florida does. I'm not either. They got they got manhandled by Kentucky. I'm sorry. That just maybe I'm letting that influence my decision a little too much. But you know, they, they had the win over Tennessee, who I'm not that sold on either. They you know they barely won at South Carolina last week, which is a, a fine win. But I I, I think that they are. They're ripe for a beatdown at the hands of this Georgia team. Brock Bowers is, is apparently going to be back. Or, you know, they're learning to live without him. But I think that Georgia gets it done this week. They are, they're looking for style points now. I feel like they're being, they're being disrespected a little bit 
not being talked about as the the favorites to win it all when they've won back-to-back national titles. I think they, they look to put on a show in this one, and they win and they cover. Um, also, I think this one could be a little bit interesting. Noon, Fox, big noon Saturday. Oklahoma is number six in the country, but they've been playing a lot of tight games recently. Taking on Kansas on the road, Lance Leopold and company, another successful season, or at least another successful start. Five and two overall, two and two in the Big Ten. Oklahoma, despite being number six in the country, just a nine-point favorite over KU here. Trevor likes uh, he likes OU, even though he hates he hates the whole staff, he hates the whole team, he thinks Oklahoma sucks. Rashawn, who do you like here? Yeah, they should have lost to UCF last week. Um, I think that kind of wakes them up a little bit, so I, I don't expect this one to have much uh, drama. I think Oklahoma's got to pound Kansas. I don't think they blow them out, but I do think they win, and I think they cover. I'm, I'm going to say a narrow cover. They win by, like, 13 points, yeah. uh, 38 to 25, or something along those lines. Kansas is is not terrible. They'll yeah. make it interesting. And I think Oklahoma's a little bit overrated, overrated at number six. I think they're still – I'm not going to say a fraud, but I think they've got a loss coming at some those point. Those athletes at UCF kind of exposed them they a did. little bit. I mean, Oklahoma wasn't supposed to be that good this year. They, you know, they, they were back into the top 25 preseason team, and the Texas win just sort of changed everything. And sometimes I think it's a little bit it's a little bit worrisome to put too much stock in just one specific game. And I think people are kind of doing that a little bit right now with Oklahoma. Uh, maybe the biggest game of the weekend, it's in the Pac-12. Number 8, Oregon, on the road, taking on number 13, Utah, 3.30 p.m. on Fox. College game day is there. We talk about Louisville-Duke kind of being an ACC championship elimination game. This feels like maybe a Pac-12 title game elimination game with Oregon and Utah both sitting there at 3-1 and one, uh, in the conference, both also 6-1 and one overall. Despite Utah, you know, kind of having their way with the Pac-12 in recent years, despite them playing this game at home where they've been so good recently, Oregon's a 6.5-point road favorite here. It's a, a little bit of a spicy line. Rashawn Myers, who do you like here? I'll oh, give me the Utes all day. The Utes don't lose at home too much, and they, especially when they're ranked. Um, yeah, give, give me the Utes all day. I just don't think Oregon's going to get that done. I'm taking Utah too. Like I, I feel like this is disrespectful to the Utes, who've been very, very good in the Pac-12 recently. Uh, Cam Young is awesome. I, I think he's going to put on a show. I love my guy Will Stein out there at Oregon. They're certainly going to get their points. I, I, I mean, I guess this line is just because people think that they should have beaten Washington, but like you said, Rice Eccles has been a nightmare for Pac-12 opponents going in there and trying to beat Utah. I think Utah takes care of business, not just covers the spread, but but wins straight up. Trevor is going with Oregon, so he's mm-hmm. he's going with the the favorite. He's the only one of us there taking that. Uh, 7.30 on NBC. You've got the weird new NBC kickoff times for Big Ten football. Number three, Ohio State, 7-0, 4-0 in the Big Ten. On the road, a little bit of maybe of a, a let-up spot against Wisconsin. Badgers 5-2, and 3-1 and in the Big Ten. Camp Randall's going to be jumping. They're going to be jumping around before that fourth quarter. OSU's still a 14-and-a-half-point road favorite. Rashawn, who do you like? Mm, I, I like Ohio State to win the game, but I, I don't think they'll cover that number. 14-and-a-half's a lot, especially in night, night game, Camp Randall. They, they're going to they're gonna keep it competitive, but Buckeyes get the win. I'm with you. I think Ohio State wins. Wisconsin covers. Trevor's going straight with the upset. He's taking the Badgers to win and ruin the dream season of Ohio State. I'd actually love if that happened. Uh, <laughs> I've got no love loss for OSU. I'd like to see them, them fall on their face here. 7.30 also on ABC. Colorado and Deion Sanders, a little bit of luster lost from their, their hot start. On the road, taking on number 23, UCLA. UCLA 15-point favorites here over the uh, the Buffaloes, who are now 4-3 and three overall. In the Rose Bowl, Rashawn, who do you like? 
Uh, give me UCLA. Colorado's not going to a bowl game. I just want to let everybody know they will not get the six wins. And uh, yeah. all of that hype to get started, Dion is not going bowling year one. <laughs> I said five and seven before the season. I, I still kind of think five and seven. Looking happen. good. Looking I think they. I think they cover the spread in this game. I think it's an entertaining game. But that UCLA defense is for real. I, I think they get the job done and they kind of stifle Shador a little bit. And Colorado plays zero defense. They don't play much defense. That's for sure. Uh, Trevor's also going with UCLA. Uh, out west, late night. We'll, this one might be worth staying up for. Number eleven Oregon on the road taking on our boy Jed Fish in Arizona. Arizona four and three. They've played everybody pretty close. Oregon State just a three point road favorite. Ten thirty is the kickoff time on ESPN. Stay up late for this one. Uh, Rashawn, who are you going with? Uh, give me Oregon State. Uh, you know Arizona played. You know, they've been playing pretty decent, but now I like Oregon State. I'm going with I'm going with the upset. I'm, I'm taking okay. Arizona to ruin DJ Uyunglele season and take those boys down. Uh, I mean, they probably should have beaten USC a couple weeks ago. They blasted Washington State last week, 44-6. to Almost, you know, played Washington within a touchdown, who's probably you know, has the inside track of going to the playoff. Jed Fish gets it done in a, in a big spot. Uh, Trevor also is going with Arizona. I'm a little surprised there. Uh, we will pick the the rival game. It is a big, it's a big spot for Kentucky, another night game for them. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Rival Tennessee coming to town. The 21st-ranked Volunteers are 5-2. and two. Kentucky also... Is five and two. Tennessee's a three and a half point road favorite. Rashawn, who wins here? Let's go, Rocky Top. Let's go, Rocky Top. Keep those Wildcats crying in their beer. Trevor's going with uh, Tennessee. I'm also going with Tennessee, and this this feels like a player haters ball <laughs> type thing. But I, I just Kentucky's kind of spiraling a little bit. This is a huge game for them. I do think they put up a fight. I think Tennessee's just better than they are. And, if you I, stop Ray Davis, UK literally can't do anything. I mean, Devin Leary's been bad, and I, I, <laughs> I thought he was going to be good there. I was jealous that they got him. He's, you know, he played really well against us a couple times, but he has not gotten anything done in the passing game. Uh, I think uh, Joe Milton kind of goes crazy, and I think uh, it, it winds up being a little bit of a shootout. And Tennessee's got more offensive firepower. Tennessee okay. gets it done. UK suddenly is five and three, and the fan base is uh, is, is is not just murmuring. They're they're saying some angry stuff about Mark Stoops. <laughs> All right. The big show. The big one. 3.30 tomorrow on CBS. Big spot for Louisville against Duke. Cards six-and-a-half-point favorites according to the latest spread. Louisville looking to move to 7-1 and one on the season and 4-1 and one in the ACC. Duke looking to, to keep its hopes of a conference championship game appearance alive as well. Trevor is going with, uh, he's going with Louisville. Rashawn, who wins? How do they do it? What's the score? Give me the cards. It's going to be that Louisville run game. I think that whether it's Gerard Jordan or Maurice Turner, somebody's going to have a big day. I expect for uh, Isaac Garendo to get him one as well. Um, I think Louisville, you know, punts the ball when they need to punt it. They lean on that defense and they get it done. My guess around 28-17. I like that. I, I think that Louisville, I like the spot for him. I do think there's going to be some nervous moments. I don't think Duke's just going to lie down. Their defense is too stout. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm, I'm with you. I think Gerard Jordan, assuming that he plays, is going to control the run game, even if he doesn't. I think this could be a nice spot for Maurice Turner and Isaac Garendo to be a nice one-two punch. Jack Plummer, home Jack Plummer is different than road Jack Plummer. We see good game manager taking advantage of opposing defenses. Jack Plummer, Cardinal defense shines again. Louisville market down 30-24. to We're talking about the dream season still being alive. We're talking about a conference championship berth still being alive. And we're seeing the cards pop up in the top 15 of the college football uh, playoff rankings next week. Rashawn, I've enjoyed it, man. I can't thank Loved you enough it, for stopping man. in here. It was a blast. We have to do it again soon. Absolutely, man. A- anytime, brother. Anytime. All right. We're out of here today. Everyone enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you back here Monday at 3 o'clock. Go Cards, baby.